0: Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the much-anticipated season finale of season three of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast. Three months too late, but we're back nonetheless. I am one of your hosts, as always, Nick Costu, along with my good pal, Cal Nice. Cal, how are you doing? On this evening, first of all, Nick, I barely recognize
1: you, and second of all, uh, it's been so long since we've been in the saddle, it kind of hurts now, and uh, and that's just a darn shame. And I think, uh, what better way to start than uh, than kind of explaining our absence a little bit? Yeah, you know?
0: well, where do you start?
1: Um, well, let, let's look at where we left off. We, we came in at the end of the Montreal-Toronto series. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So that was a time when we had all of our pals, all of the Rink Moose community kind mm-hmm. of coming together uh, on, on different sides of the mm-hmm. spectrum, right? We had some Leafs fans. We had myself. We had a gathering in, in the studio. It, w- it was an epic game seven that we all watched together for the most part. Mm-hmm. Joe wasn't there because he didn't have the... Uh, right. He didn't, he didn't have he the stones. He was studious.
0: He was studying. He was studious. No, he wasn't. He just didn't have
1: the stones to right. show up. Okay. Fair enough. Fair day. enough. Um, and then after that, like, as life had it, uh, you know, I... Continued my pilgrimage into this off-season as a as a sole Montreal fan. I watched a lot of games on my own Uh, I learned a lot about being a fan in a city that isn't the one you live in Mm -hmm. Um, And it was honestly I'm gonna get into this a little bit later, but I was so wrapped up in that and um, And I honestly I I couldn't find uh, the energy to reach out
0: and 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 download all that information onto the show so you were so overwhelmed with your childhood team your favorite team in this run you couldn't you couldn't talk about hockey anymore no it's it's you were just swept with emotion it's a
1: ridiculous well that's one factor of it like part of it is that part of it is i I wanted to experience it in its most pure natural form which is me myself um just going in on this journey Mm -hmm. essentially uh, so that was part of it for sure, and the other part of it was let's be honest, summer got busy, and I know yeah. that's a shitty excuse, and uh, you guys don't want to hear this crap. Yeah. But uh, you and I both got into some, yeah. some you know, wrist deep uh, shit. Yeah, you know. So yeah, um, that happened, and then enough time passes, and you're like, well, we haven't done it in three weeks, so what's another week? And yeah. then it and it becomes it's a thing and then it becomes like alright well we've lost too much time and all this kind of stuff but uh, all in all to wrap that up we apologize um, mm-hmm. it was a shitty way this is a shitty way to end what was at least on my part a, a fantastic season mm-hmm. and, uh, and one I would have liked to uh, uh, share with, with the group here mm-hmm. but
0: uh, we'll be better next time and, and here we are yeah such is life. I mean, at make no secret. Everyone listening to the show, whether you know us personally or whether you're just some fan listening in Tokyo or Brazil or California, I mean, this is a hobby for both of us. This is this is no career right now. Right. There's no sponsorship on this show. There's no there's no uh, you know there's no white Claw sponsoring the sure. show or a Budweiser. Not yet. No, not yeah. yet. Not yet. It's coming this year. Though it's coming potentially. We got some we got some things in the works. But the point is I mean when this is your hobby there's certain things that, that have to come first and the reality is the past two to three months that just happened to be the case it just it's sad because it happened to be one of those summers one of those playoff seasons where like it was unprecedented right when's the last time we had a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final not since the Oilers in the in the late 2000s if I'm not mistaken oh boy right? Uh, o- Oilers uh, versus Canucks, Canucks 2010 oh right yeah yeah so exactly but a late, decade yeah more than a decade. More than a decade. Yeah. And and that's that's surreal. So the fact and it was your team, you know, your it was. team. It was. Uh, shocking me, you know, me the yeah. Vegas fanboy, the the impenetrable Pete DeBoer wall. Yeah. Was yeah. broken through. Yeah. And I was I was watching these games and I was just I was stunned what was unfolding bef- b- b- before my eyes. Everyone was saying this Canadian division soft. This Canadian division, they're they're done. They're done. No one picked Montreal in that series. Right. No. Just like they didn't pick them against the Leafs, but no one picked them against Vegas. And then you see us how it happened. And you know, the saddest thing now that we're talking, and I've never thought
1: about this. Now that we're talking about the saddest thing is that I would have loved to be able to go back on the archives and, and see what my reactions were during this, during this run. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to see, okay, after the Leaf series, what was I saying after Vegas? What was I, what was I saying? You know, just, just from a personal perspective. Yeah. Um, that it's sad to not have that.
0: And you might not have that for a very long time.
1: I don't want to be negative. A year. I'll have that in a year. You next. might.
0: Hey, you're bullish. You might, <laughs> but like those, any, any fan of any great franchise, ask Chicago fans, Pittsburgh fans. They'll tell you, you can't take that stuff for granted yeah. because it'll happen. And, and those runs, they may, you may not see them for a while. Yeah. You have to true. enjoy them while they're there, which you did. I did. You just didn't I get really to talk did. about yeah. them and you won't have these archives to look back on. Correct. So, I get what you're saying. Correct. Uh, and it was just such a relentless pace. But
1: uh, some of my... So we've all got our top 10 favorite hockey memories. And I would almost argue that maybe four or five new ones have been brought up to me personally. That's amazing. And and it, it is amazing. And there's there was so many... Because there was so many moments, so many overtime thrillers, so many big moments. Uh, so I, I'm just going to go through a couple of them right now that you, you'll probably remember. Please. Um, the Suzuki Caulfield two on one versus the Leafs. Yes, where everyone's like, "Oh,
0: Caulfield's that game shoot it. Uh, game five? Could have been. F- it was game, it five. was game five. It was the Galchenyuk giveaway, yes, correct? And then the 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 two of them go go down. The, just the two of them, and yeah. they it's the perfect finish. Because the next one was the Kachaniewicz o- yeah. overtime winner, and that's what we
1: saw at your place. That we was were there another, live. Yep, another big memory. Another one for me was the Carey Price blocker save on. Uh, mitch marner mm-hmm. and pair that with the Carey price stick save on jason spezza two mind-boggling right game changing sure. saves sure um Fast forward to Tyler Toffoli's game winner versus Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and a, the brilliant call on that one, uh, the classic flurry right. giveaway.
0: And there was drama in that. Let's not let's let's not jump too ahead. The, you had the you had the Mark Scheifele yes. thing on uh, our friend of the show Jake Evans. Jake Evans. Yeah. I mean, so that was that got a lot of attention,
1: you know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You had the Leafs and the Jets series starting off with major injuries mm-hmm. on either side, mm-hmm. so it kind of set a weird tone either way.
0: Yeah, um, and, and then so no, It really I, turned out to be out for the whole series. Yeah, and I uh, agree. the uh, the 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 flurry gaff. I mean, that was a huge, in in a humorous and a big moment altogether. And, and as uh, and it was interesting. The Vegas fan and we got the Montreal fan talking yeah. here. A guy who'd been following Vegas all year there was all this drama with the goaltending right and it was longer than a year this dates back to the flurry Allen wall stuff yeah and I just knew in that second when that turnover came when that inexcusable house league turnover happened beer league we see that on Tuesday nights in beer league that those kind of things when that happened mm. In, like, the final minute of a playoff game where the series is tied 1-1, the swing game, so to speak, when that happened, Mm -hmm. I knew he would not see another game as a Vegas goaltender ever again. I know he started later in that series. Pete DeBoer went back to him. But right. I got to think ownership when they, saw, when they lost the series and they looked back at the flurry gaffe as the yeah. reason they lost. Because it was the reason they lost. They win, yeah. that, they win that game. You're up 2-1. You have a more commanding lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, w- when management looked back at that event, I think they realized now's the time to, to, to kick this $7 million a year player out the window. Right, right. It was their perfect excuse, right? Like the fan base would never let you trade flurry. He, he was there. Yeah. He's the OG guy. He was there from day one. He's the first ever Vegas draft pick. All it took... All management was waiting for was for one little slip, and it yeah. was a big slip, and all, the, all they needed was that, and then he was gone.
1: Yeah. And,
0: to and have, we'll get into that. We'll get into the opsies and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and to have McGuire on the call there, I, again... Oh, my God. A classic moment yep.
1: paired with another classic player call.
0: Yeah, you talk about ten top 10 moments. That oh. inserted itself Absolutely. into...
1: Yeah. Absolutely. The... the oh, fuck. Like... For those of you who don't know, they were Pierre specifically was just talking about how well Fleury in particular was playing the puck this game and how it made such a difference. <laughs> oh, Fleury's really playing the puck so well this game, it really made all the difference. Oh, I agree, Pierre. And seconds later,
0: seconds later, the moment happens. And it was just Crazy. so Only hilarious. Pierre, only Pierre would yeah. have that kind of yeah. like divine intervention <laughs> yes. just, just
1: come in and exactly. do that and then one of my particular maybe maybe the biggest moment is the Dano leckanen overtime winner versus vegas. against leonard to, yeah to barry yeah. vegas was just such a moment um and then and then not too many more in, in the tampa bay series but that josh anderson flying tap-in goal Mm. Uh, to for the as the game winner that was a huge one and one of my absolute favorite calls on Montreal uh, TSN six ninety radio mm-hmm. uh, absolutely one of my favorite calls of all time um, and then of course I went to Montreal for mm-hmm. to watch Game four um, and then yeah just it was just so many moments like it was so amazing and so overwhelming and so emotional like Nick. I'm sure you know this when your team is in the playoffs like this and every other night you're gearing up mm-hmm. you're, you're getting your yeah. body, your mental ready like emotionally it's it's taxing. yeah And then like I said before, a lot of these games, and this is the sad bit when you're, when your team is not the city you live in, it's tough because you're doing a lot of this on your own. Mm-hmm. So you can't feed off the energy of a friend or a group. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that was right. tough. So that's, yeah. that's what drew me to the city and, and to go there. myself. Uh, so
0: uh, just a, a special. No, I'm, special I'm, glad, I'm glad you got to uh, do all of that. You know, mm-hmm. I've had I've had those runs recently, whether it be, you know, the Blue Jays in the playoffs or the Raptors most recent run. Mm-hmm. And I can see what you mean. Every second night, there's a big game to look forward to, a big game to drink to, a big yes. game to go out with friends to. Um, and so the fact your your NHL team got to experience this mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, that's that's that must that must have been something special.
1: And then we're uh, wearing the jersey. Mm-hmm. Both to work and and on outings right. in Toronto, like getting heckled by so many people, coworkers and strangers alike. Um, it was all part of the experience. Mm. It was all part of the experience. Very nice. So it was it was awesome. No, very grateful. And uh, and I'm proud of a lot of the guys. Like I know a lot of the like Gallagher's and the Webbers of the world were mm-hmm. literally skating on one leg. Webber's out for the year. Uh, it just really summarizes like how much of a grind it was, mm-hmm.
0: and the character on that team. Oh fuck! Like,
1: there is no bigger character team. There is no bigger <laughs> character team in the 2021 season than mm-hmm. this team. I don't. I don't know if that can be argued by Joe or, or uh, anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because again, we all look at the roster, the skill level, the on paper stats, and you're like, ooh, ooh
0: well, yeah. that's
1: not that's not great. But look at what they did. And you mm-hmm. no one can ever take this away from them. I don't give a fuck what you say about oh they came 18th in the league. I don't give a fuck about any of that. You cannot take this run away. And um and Leafs fans would shoot a small kitten for this kind of run. Mm-hmm. For sure. And and one more observation I'll make from the playoffs in general as a whole. Um, teams like Montreal, New York, Islanders, Tampa Bay, and Vegas created a new playoff success template. And for me, that looks like a good goalie, large, heavy defenseman mm. that can move the puck, uh, and, and a plethora of talent up front. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the new formula. Whatever we do from now on, every team in the, to- in the top four had a good goalie, yeah, heavy defenseman, mm-hmm. heavy, heavy defenseman mm-hmm. that could move the puck, not necessarily scoring a ton of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then talent up front That was the formula that won this year And it was consistent and it was noticeable And I think a lot of teams That's why there was such a premium on so many So many defensemen Like Chicago paid tooth and nail to get Seth Jones For
0: a reason And, and, and so was that why Your other favorite team The Colorado Avalanche Were, were upset in the second round Precisely why that
1: is precisely why. Because that's
0: the only other team I wanna I wanna touch on before we move on. Is yeah. that that was probably the one team that caught everyone off guard because they were the favorites, right? They were probably the Vegas favorites to win it all, and they were leading the the series against Vegas to nothing, yeah. and they went on to lose four straight games
1: it's really like it's almost existential crisis kind of and, stuff
0: and you remember there was the moment you were you really talked about the jared bednar calling out his players after the the game yeah. three so yeah. they lose yeah. one game they're still up 2-1 in the series and this guy's losing his shit you know yes. calling out guys and it didn't work it didn't work it yeah. totally backfired they lost the next three games and that was it yeah
1: um it it was shocking. He lit it was, up
0: Robin Leonard seven one in the first game.
1: It was it was crazy. It it was really crazy, and um, and it kind of set the league on notice because a lot for a lot of teams, this Colorado Blue Line was probably the template to to follow. You had so much, you had so much talent. You had the Gerards who got who was on a fifty point pace. You had the McCars. You had the Devon Taves. You had a lot of guys. You had a lot of guys. But at, at the end of the day, I guess it's just their, their mentality just didn't line mm-hmm. up. Like, I'm now looking at this team and I'm thinking, okay, McCarr and Devon Taves as a top line I have zero problems with. But, I mean, I love Sam, Sam Gerrard, but when it gets deep into the playoffs, who would, and I'd rather have him over a ton of guys, but who would you rather have, Sam Gerrard or, or Seth Jones? Mm-hmm. I think that that's become very, very clear, and you could, and you could even make the argument, you know, Sam, know, Sam Girard versus a, you know, uh, uh, a David Savard, Savard. Uh-huh. David Savard on Tampa Bay. Like, you know, what? You've got McCar to do all that power play stuff. Maybe David Savard would have helped them in right. that series. And as stupid as it sounds, it sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but you know, in practice, in the play, simply in the playoffs. I think it could it could help. Mm-hmm. It could help. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say, but uh, I think Joe Sakic is has realized this, and maybe he'll take some sort of notice. Yeah, and it's another reason the Leafs cannot keep losing Jake Muzzin in these playoffs, right? Because he's more valuable than any other guy on that blue line by a lar- by a long shot. Mm-hmm. and he gets he got injured this year, and he got injured last year, mm-hmm. and it, it
0: ended up biting them. Well, I think talking about the avalanche there and summing up the, the playoff run that was. And, of course, I mean, we, we have to give a congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning, Yeah, back-to-back so. champions, John Cooper, another cup, on, another ring for him. We'll get into him a little later on because there's some Team Canada news we want to get into. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, Congrats and congrats to them. It truly is another one of these franchises. Like you put you can put them up there now with Chicago and Pittsburgh and LA, right? Yeah. And and they've done it. And 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 we'll get into the the transactions. They're they're now a lot different team than they were. I think they basically lost their entire third line yeah. over the off season. Mm-hmm. But you can't take away what they accomplished. And they'll they'll, they'll be back. They're still going to they're still a contender. A huge they're still the ones to beat sure. going into this next season. So yeah. Um yeah. yeah, congratulations to them. I know I know we don't like them a lot here on this show, but No. You got to give credit to where credits due. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, going back to the avs, a big player they've lost is uh Philip Grubauer. Yeah. And they've yeah, yeah. lost him in essentially this this new expansion draft. Of yeah. course, at the end of uh yeah, end of June the seattle kraken had their expansion draft they drafted a a team they drafted something um and uh we now have our 32nd team in the nhl it's official um i have to pull the yeah like just like you i have to pull the roster up now yeah. because it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of fresh faces i won't lie some of these guys they decided to take i had never heard of before um just just because they, they, it seems they went they, they went from a strategy of maximizing salary cap allocation salary cap space ahead of uh ahead of maybe the most talented guys you know guys like Landeskog Terrasenko were left off the board in favor of guys who could save you money and would allow you to have a lot of salary cap space and and that's what it looks like. I mean, we look at the roster here, I mean, you got you got some name brand guys, Yanni Gord, Jordan Eberly, Jaden Schwartz, um Brandon Tanev, I know you're a big Tanev fan. Uh Mark Giordano on defense, Jamie Alexiak on defense, Vince Dunn on defense, the young Hayden Fleury on defense. Um, and, and of course the goalie tandem, that's been getting a lot of attention, Grubauer and Drieger. So lots of, lots of attention on this roster. I mean, what, what is, I'll just ask you frankly, what is this team in your eyes? What is their identity? What do you expect from them? And where do you see them uh, stacking up in this weak Pacific division?
1: Uh, see the fact that they're in the Pacific. Yeah. The, uh. The fact that they're in the Pacific Division makes it all the more difficult to analyze because if you look at the roster, at least personally, they look like a really run-of-the-mill middle ground team. Um, In in saying that, they they look like they have a heavier defense. It looks like they're a team that wants to be harder to play against. But then the Pacific is so darn weak. It's like, do they have a shot? Now... Regardless of any of that, I think they're going to be ju- a team that just misses in the Pacific. They're going to be kind of a fifth place in the Pacific kind of team, which is, which is honestly, to me, the worst kind of strategy. Huh. If I were fucking Seattle, I would have found a way to, to structure my draft in a way that makes me maximize my draft picks and maximize my ability to come last in the league. Hmm. while also somehow appeasing the fans to me I don't give a fuck about the fans in the first mm-hmm. year I want Shane Wright I want Connor Bedard mm-hmm. next year you know like is this not the exact perfect time to structure your strategy in such a way to bottom out right now with all the get a bunch of 2022 draft picks like take guys best players and then trade them back for do what Vegas did in, in a sort of way and these guys just seem like a really middle ground like they're not good they're not Vegas good. It doesn't look like they're gonna make any miracles like mm. Vegas did. But at the same time, they're not gonna bottom out. And they mm. don't have a, a plethora of draft picks. So I'm not liking the, the, the Kraken situation right now. The, the biggest thing going for them right now is probably that they have Jordan Eberly on the team, mm. which is a huge plus. Uh,
0: and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. There's some there's some question marks for sure. I, I like the I like the defense. I think Jamie Alexiak's a very underrated player. You know, and they signed him immediately when they got him, which shows they like him. I think Vince Dunn was a guy who was overshadowed a lot in St. Louis. I think he can really lead a power play. Hayden Flurry was a hidden gem in Carolina. Um, and then Mark Giordano, say what you want about him being old, but he's probably the candidate to be captain there. Probably. So I like the defense. The goaltending is is great I mean i I was never a Grubauer guy until this past playoffs and then I saw him and i, I was I believed in him I, I became a Grubauer fan mm. um so defense and goaltending I mean I, I think that those are their strengths and then I think their big weakness is who's night in a new night out who's gonna score for this team you know yeah you have a you have a bunch of 20 goal scorer guys but you don't really have those 30 40 goal scores mm-hmm. and so I don't know how much you can accomplish. And I I don't know I, I think certain signings bothered me you know Jaden Schwartz got a big he got a big contract I think that's weird for a guy his age like this yeah. is clearly a guy whose best days are behind him with injury problems yeah too. Th- this is not some guy you give four or five year deals to I don't care how good of a guy he is I you don't you don't do that mm-hmm. um, and then the same goes for like a Alex Wenberg. I mean, he's not old, but he's also not worth 4.5 million a year. They're paying him 4.5 million a year. They seriously think this guy can be a top six centerman, which maybe he was three years ago. I know he had a good year then in Columbus, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like here, here we are. Jaden Schwartz, five year, 27.5 million. So that that's an AAV of above five dollars a year, uh, five million dollars a year for five years. That's that to expensive. Me sounds like crap. That's bullshit. That's malarkey. That's terrible. And and Wenberg got th- uh, three years, thirteen point five million, so four point five a year oh for God. for three years. Yeah, a lot of junk, junk so, contracts. On. Okay, Grubauer, fine. Like he, he's proven, yeah. he's proven he's a good goalie. And and you and like we learned with Vegas, you need a good goalie to start your expansion to give the fans some faith. You know, yeah. Don't just throw on Craig Anderson every night. You know, you can't yes. afford that. Agreed. But, but these other guys, where they've decided to allocate their money, other than the Alexiac deal, uh, bothers me a little. Yeah. It, you're, you're giving a little too much credit to these guys who don't deserve these long-term deals. Yeah. So that bothers me. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I, I, to your point about the picks, like, yeah, you could tank. <clears throat> But I think that's why they have all that salary cap space. It's now that they have so much cap room, you can take on lousy contracts yeah. from, from these teams who are up against the cap during this COVID environment, mm-hmm. and then you'll get draft picks as compensation. You know? Yeah. So
1: hopefully they're not totally done no. in, their, in their dealings. No, yet. I
0: think there's a, with the salary cap and, and how much they valued that, I think the story is a lot left to be written here. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and speaking of the prospects, I mean, they're – their draft pick ended up being Maddie Bernier's. You know? Yes, fantastic. Yes. Fantastic sure, first draft sure. pick. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, what better way to start off your franchise than a guy like him, high character centerman, will 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 certainly be a top six centerman in, in moving into his future. Yeah. And, and and there you go. So I'd say it's a mixed bag, you know? Like they, they mm. had a good draft. They uh, they they got some really good guys like a, like a Tanev. Pittsburgh's going to be kicking themselves for oh losing him,
1: especially Burke and company. Yeah, they're going to be pissed. You know, uh, other pissed. other
0: guys. I know. I know. We watched a lot of Ranger games this past year. A Colin Blackwell <clears throat> is a very underrated high character yeah. guy. Yeah, Eberly yeah. you mentioned earlier. Yanni Gord was one of probably my favorite player on Tampa Bay. So mm-hmm. it, it's it it really is a mixed bag. You you made some really good picks, but then the way you allocated your money and gave your contracts out to guys, the the guys you're putting faith in, so to speak, is leaving a, a lot of question marks. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I and I believe that Yanni Gord is going to be missing some serious time with injury. I think it's like a
0: few months. A few, few months. Yeah. yeah, that
1: could be enough to sink them. Early on, but though. to
0: your point, I don't think the playoff success matters too much.
1: Yeah, if fair, playoffs fair.
0: mattered to this team, they would have drafted Gabriel Landeskog. They would have drafted Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, you know, Carey Price. Carey Price, <laughs> and yeah. that was another story, right? Right, right. Mon- right. Another thing, Montreal making so much news this offseason. Yeah, they're they love to make. They some just news. know how. They, and, yeah, and, and and so yeah. Like it's it's uh there's the it there's yeah there was a lot to unpack there, but I don't know I think they're content being a middling team that has a chance at making the playoffs just because that Pacific Division is so darn weak you know
1: yeah you know what what struck me with this particular expansion draft and we 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 have the luxury of saying that because we've been through two yeah. very recently um it didn't like it, it was really kind of. Dry, if, if that's the right word to use. Like, nothing moved the needle with any of their picks, with any of their their players here, or even their moves. Um, so it, it's a team that got a lot of hype, deservedly so, but um, I've really, since the draft, completely put them out of my mind mm-hmm. um, in this offseason, which has been so crazy. Uh, so... It's it's still gonna be a, an absolute shock to me to see this jersey hit the ice in about a month's time, mm-hmm. less than a month now, thank God. Mm-hmm. So, it's gonna be fascinating, very very fascinating.
0: I mean, and I mean, like again, just to, on a closing note here, you look at the, uh, you look at the, uh, the 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 other teams in that division. I mean, are they better than you know Vancouver? No. I can confidently... So if you're not better than Vancouver, then you're not ahead of a lot of teams, right. frankly. Right. If right. you don't think they're ahead of Vancouver, then they're certainly not ahead of, you know, your Vegas, your Colorado, your no. Edmonton. Right? No. No. And, you know, maybe just maybe you're just there with Calgary and, and San Jose and, and Anaheim, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you might edge some of those teams yeah but i i spent a lot of time with some uh good vancouver guys mm. actually and we talked a lot about the canucks mm. and talking to them got me excited about for the canucks them. yeah wow because they've got Pop optimism Colson coming in mm. and they got petterson on a rebound and and uh ekman larson will show what he's got that's another big move that was made um, them getting rid of that fucking ninth yeah. overall pick, which yeah. I all the, all those, never
0: really agree all with. All bad <laughs> contracts, the, yeah, the, the Louis, Louis Erickson, Erickson and, and yeah. Troy Stetcher.
1: And the Garland coming through, too. Yeah, oh, so I love them. they're going to be a fascinating team. Pod in, um mm-hmm. their other young Swedish kid, uh, they're going to be fascinating. I was excited for them. and it, 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 I really think they can take a step uh, this year.
0: Yeah, I think that like the quote-unquote trash teams in that division are are probably just San Jose and Anaheim. Yeah. And LA then, could I, I have LA. Oh, for sure, fans. for sure. Like they're going to be really good. For sure. Good. For sure. And we'll get into them with their some of the big signings they made. But I I think the only teams you can really put Sa- uh, Seattle ahead of are those two Californian ones, San Jose yeah. and Anaheim, and then they're probably yeah. right on there with they're probably on Calgary levels, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. If, if they're right there, then your four playoff teams are probably Vegas, Colorado, the Oilers, and and a fight between L.A. and Vancouver. That's yeah. probably the way you look yeah. at it. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll get in more into that in, you know, future episodes where we prognosticate where everything's going to sit. But, yeah. yeah, for the time being, I think we both agree they're on the crack and kind of a mixed bag, you know? Very mixed bag, yeah. Yeah. And what yeah. can you expect when all these teams are going in knowing they're going to try to pull the same Vegas shenanigans? Like you can't blame Ron Francis Ugh. that they don't want to make these side moves, right? There weren't that many side moves this uh. year, like the, like there were in that Vegas year. You know, I don't know. Team yeah. teams decided we're just going to lose one player. We're not going to make these moves to yeah. keep multiple guys. They learned their lesson. They said, "Listen, Ronnie, you choose one player, and that's it." And that's what they did. And I guess they got wise
1: from it from the last fucking round too. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not seeing them sell many jerseys. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, no. I'm not sure who you buying.
0: And I don't know about the jersey. Seems kind of. I like the bl- jersey. I like
1: the. Seems kind of bland. I like the colors. I like the logo. I think it's. I think it's
0: cool. I think it's cool. I'm look. I'm looking at it on Daily Face off for the first time. I'm just not used to seeing it, and I. I don't know. I like. It. Not a fan. Yeah, it's good. Okay, moving on to, of course, uh, the other draft—the one we probably have more of a, uh, an interest in. Um, listen, we're not. This is going to be like a typical draft episode where we go in depth on every single pick. No. Kyle and I talked off the record before the show. We're just gonna go through some of the ones that intrigued us. Where, where exactly, you know, where on the draft board did it get your attention? Where did things go off the rails? Where were you surprised? Um, I mean, we'll only go into the first round. What What did you make? I mean, what What did you What, what surprised you here? Where did you think the draft turned going in? Where did you think things were gonna kind of? There's always that part of the draft. This is where it really turns. Yeah. So where here did it did that moment come for you?
1: Uh, well, the first two picks went really typically. Mm-hmm. We saw Owen Power and Matty Beneers which was projected by a lot of different professionals out there. Uh, number three did shock me. Yeah, that was a I was big say that. jump. It was a uh, Mason McTavish at number three, but I mean, this guy was a guy who picked up a lot of steam late in the year. Uh, and if you really think about it, as soon as the draft happened, I was like, you know what, that makes a ton of sense. Anaheim picking Mason McTavish just makes a ton of sense. This is a big, a big body. Uh, kind of a power forward type with a, with a blistering wrist shot. Um, and, and if you can kind of just picture him. He's a centerman, but he could also play wing, of course. And you could really just picture him next to a skilled guy like Trevor Zegris and think, wow, this is going to be a dynamic duo. Um, surprising foot speed on the guy, too. Uh, he really impressed at that under 18. That was probably his big calling card because he is an OHL guy. Uh, who went overseas to play, um, I believe, in the Czech League, Mm -hmm. something like that. But he showed well against men, and then he just dominated the US. He had a good
0: Texas tournament.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, I'm a huge fan of the guy, um, and I guess Anaheim was as well, and he went number three. Um, They probably left some skill on the board, mind you. Uh, A guy like Eklund was a big favorite to go very high in the draft. But... um, McTavish is a guy. He's going to be your playoff guy, you know, the guy you can really lean on and uh, play in many different roles. So they, I, I like the pick. It's
0: probably the definition of choosing a positional need, right? Because you already got the, the top two D and Jamie Drysdale. You yeah. already got the, the star winger and Trevis uh, yeah, yeah. So what else wow. do you address? You, you get the
1: centerman. Well, the, the big debate is whether Zegris will end up being a center or being a winger.
0: Well, maybe this is a sign of yeah. where they see him. Maybe, yeah. As a winger.
1: Yeah, yeah. Could very well be. What Whatever they choose, I'd, I'm not sure they're going to split them up. I think they're going to be a pairing. Because mm-hmm. they just... It's seemingly they work so well together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the, the next really kind of notable pick would be Luke Hughes at four. Like, that was a, that was a cool pick, obviously, because of Jack Hughes... And you saw the reaction and, and you saw the whole the whole deal. But they pick that, and then you look at their blue line and you think, wow, now they have a f- pretty formidable offensive decor. You got Ty Smith, who was a who's even a noticeable fantasy option on on defense mm-hmm. there for mm-hmm. a long, a long while. Um, you got Luke Hughes now too. who some say might be the best um, defenseman between the, 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 the Hughes brothers. No. Between Quinn and... and no. At the same age, they're saying yes. He's got a bit more size. He's still a very dynamic skater, mm-hmm. but uh, it remains to be seen. Hmm. So, I mean, the pedigree is there. I've got a lot of comments on what Jack Hughes will do this year, too. Um, and then I, I, I think this is looking a lot better in, in New Jersey, and I mm-hmm. think that was a cool pick. Hmm. Uh, to see
0: but they're probably with that pick they probably cemented themselves as one of your least favorite teams in oh the they're
1: league. my least favorite team yeah
0: my least favorite team I mean if you have both Hughes <laughs> brothers I'm not surprised you're going to say that
1: absolutely and now me evolving as a Rangers fan um, mm. you're just trained to hate right. New Jersey the, as the well rival yeah absolutely interesting especially with the whole Hughes versus Lafreniere uh, growing debate
0: yeah well, yeah, and the next one I want to go to is number seven. You mentioned Eklund earlier. Uh, so I'm, of course, the Sharks fan, or at least what little left of me is a, is a Sharks fan. Oh it's You're hanging dark, on for dear life. It's the dark days right now. If Shane Wright doesn't go to the Sharks, I'm jumping off. <laughs> um, He's not. And I don't know. Like, I think this was a huge win for them. I mean, this was yeah. a guy who was supposed to go top five. Arguably the most skilled player in the entire draft. Yeah. And he goes number seven. And everything I read about this guy, high compete level, very skilled, good hands, good playmaker, just a high high IQ offensive hockey sense. It sounds like the kind of player San Jose needs. A bland offensive team needs a guy like this to kind of stir the drink, so to speak. Yeah. So... I this excited me and and I, I and and we'll get into the next guy who we have a lot to say about number eight but this number seven mm. I I was pleasantly surprised It's a guy who doesn't know a lot about him I read a, I, I had read I had read a lot going in and I was I was like good for San Jose getting this guy they need some good news and I think they la- they landed a really good pick and you see mm-hmm. that Scott Wheeler where he ranks all all under all drafted players the top 50 drafted players and uh, like who are under 23 or whatever and and uh and and william Eklund's in his top 10 right. so that, that that speaks volumes
1: <clears throat> well this is a guy nick you remember lucas raymond and alex holtz mm. from last year this guy had a better season than those two this wow. year in wow. the same league wow so it it that speaks volumes yeah so elite so, league if if Raymond went four overall last year, this guy went seven. It's a, or seven or eight, whatever mm-hmm. it was. It it's a good value there, and and rumor has it that Buffalo was teetering between Owen Power and, and Eklund Wow. from number one. Wow. So that no. was
0: no, and and in San Jose's GM, I know a lot of GMs after drafts they like to throw the classic line. Well, we had them first on our list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just yeah. to make themselves, themselves sound like they did a job well done. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Dougie Wilson, he he went out and said straight up, this was their number two guy on their board. They had Bernier's one and they had this guy, too. Really? They didn't even have Owen Power in the top wow. two. So, so, so he, yeah. Well,
1: that that's fascinating because <laughs> a lot, some notable names had power like. Not even just not number one, but like number seven. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I I think he's a great number one pick. I think he's a great, he's going to be a great defenseman. Mm. But I watched some highlight videos of someone like really criticizing him. Mm. And you could see some pretty weird shit. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it'd be such a Buffalo move. Yeah. To not only ruin Darlene, (laughs) Eichel, and now this guy. Right. (laughs) No, I I don't disagree. And then you pair in the Jack Quinn pick and you're like,
0: this could be the
1: saddest fucking drafting team of all time. Absolutely. Oh, but Uh, that being said, I think he's going to be a
0: really good defenseman. That's good. Yeah, that's good. You're so bullish on him.
1: I'm no, I'm I'm normal on him. Okay. Okay. He's not my favorite number one pick. But he's he's gonna be good. Yeah,
0: I don't know. When I heard Ray when I heard Ray Ferraro call him Jay Bomeister, I kind of just rolled my eyes and said, "Meh." Oh God. He said that. Yeah, he called him Jay Bomeister. No. Oh. So Joe, oh, I don't know. He,
1: he, Jay Bowmeester is good enough to make Team Canada Olympics and sign me up.
0: Yeah, but he's not. He's not like. Sec, he's not like. Uh, not sexy at all. He's not a sexy defenseman like Brant no. Clark. Am I right? No. Oh. No, that, you're wrong, actually. That brings us to number eight. So, of course, my beloved L.A. Kings draft the most divisive player in the entire draft. Fuck. Uh, Mr. Loudmouth, uh, uh, paled Skin Brant Clark. Michael, shut your ears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michael Robson, you can turn off that iPhone right now. Uh, you won't want to hear this. <laughs>
1: So yeah, I mean
0: Where do we start with this guy?
1: We knew a little bit about Brand Clark all year long. We're like this is guy this is guy's an offensive defenseman, he can he can skate, he can see the lanes, he can do all this stuff. He's 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 a typical offensive defenseman. He went over to the Czech League, he didn't do great, he did okay. But then he went to the under 18s and that's something we actually watched we actually tuned into mm-hmm. we put our scouting hats on and boy oh boy did this guy fucking just he struggled disappoint not only on his play his play on the ice was one thing and it, it left a lot to be desired especially for a guy of his billing a, a guy i just i kind of built before the the year started to be a bowen byram type He's he's not that. <laughs> he he is very much not that. He's an immature, knock knee skating,
0: mm-hmm. just brat of a kid. Kind of weak. He's a. He weak, looks like you could just push him with a like a toothpick on the ice. He, he's a. weak he hasn't filled kid. out. Kid, you know what? The worst. What really bugs me out of a, any
1: player, and especially at this level, he's the kind of kid when he's on the power play and he's right up at the top of the point. He's slapping his stick on the ice whenever he wants to tap, all the time. Like, what if that's not the right play? What if this guy has another play in mind, and now he has to give it to you, or else he looks like a dick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You and he does that all the time, and it drove me nuts. It drove me absolutely. He's fucking slapping the thing. I'm like. Is Shane Wright slapping his stick on the ice? Right. Does, do you think that player is is, is directing play from a, a, a position of, of not seeing what's going on? No. It's so frustrating. And then the way he celebrated the win, he's just such a little shit, man. He's <laughs> such a little shit.
0: Yeah, we weren't fans of that. The, we way, the way the camera was on him after the game. And, and he was like yeah.
1: yelling and st- Spraying everywhere.
0: He was. No just one like, else acted like that. No him. No. He was. He was he, out. Of he got all the attention in a bad way, and he, not the way you want to get. It. He reeks of immaturity. Yeah, and it, and it hurts that he's going to this big city in yeah. L.A. Yeah, know? and he's now so
1: impressionable. Yeah, it's not even funny.
0: It's not the right fit for him as far as the city. No. That said, as the Kings fan, we needed to go defense in this draft. And everyone was saying, oh, well, they're going to go with one of the big D, you know, that being Power, Hughes, Edvinson, or Clark. Correct. And sure enough, the way the draft unfolded, of the four of them, Brant Clark was the last to go and fell right to L.A. So we had no choice. No choice. And now the Hollywood script will play out, you know. Just like with Byfield, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you have these guys. That, well, and Byfield, I've I've gotten a little more cozy with. I, I think he's just a I think he's a pleasant guy. I I yeah. I, I've, I I was harsh on his character earlier last year, a little less so now. But this Brent Clark is in a class of his own as far as just making an ass of himself on <laughs> national television. So so I don't know what's gonna happen here, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm all, like as the Kings fan, I'm rooting for him, but at the same time, I'm not rooting for him. You know? Yes. Yeah. And you said it right away when they drafted him, You said in the Facebook group, you're just like the Kings fucked up. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, quickly on Byfield.
1: To me, just super quick. To me, he's really grown in my eyes as a guy. Simply because uh, in the off season, when it's dark and there's no electricity, and you're you're looking for something, you're looking for any sort of hockey news. I'm always trying to figure out what these young kids off-season routine is. And I was always checking in on LaFreniere and he's such a tight book. I couldn't find a single lick of his his anything training related. I only saw him golf. Okay. Right. Yeah. But but byfield, he's in with Gary Roberts. He's in the fucking BioSteel camp. He's doing all right. this stuff. He's like doing the McDavid regime. And I'm like, "Damn. I got good hopes for this kid this year." I'm like, the, at least I know. I don't know what Lafreniere is doing, but I know Byfield is doing the right things this summer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, go go on Gary Roberts' uh, Instagram story right now. You'll see Byfield just just ripping workouts. So that's really good to see. Uh, and to me, he's, he's earned some respect over this offseason.
0: So he's not in L.A. He's in Ontario this yes. summer? Okay, yeah. good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. I like yeah. that. Okay, moving on from the Kings, I think the next one that kind of raised my brow was uh, number ten. Yes, that's Pierre Maguire's first ever, and we'll get into Pierre. That that should have been our lead, but we decided to put it near the end. Yeah, Pierre Maguire's first draft with a team. What a good way to put it. Yeah, and And they go out. They go out, and and boy, do they drop a deuce. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. number 10, Tyler Boucher. Oh, oh, boy. They had so many guys they could have went with this pick. Yeah. So many pundits in Ottawa, your Ian Mendices of the world, were saying they're going to go goalie. Yeah. He had two, yeah. two franchise goalies, Sebastian Casa and Jesper Waldstad, there for the pickings. Or, or, hey, you want a goal scorer? You want a sniper? Chaz Lucius? Yeah. Or or you want a high character checker like a Brendan Othman? They're all there. They're even still there. A,
1: even a Cole Cylinder.
0: And they and they literally go with with a what's projected to be a bottom six checker Fuck. with a top ten pick. Fuck. So please explain where Pierre Maguire went with this one. Honestly, I feel like Pierre
1: Dorian mm is a little in over his head. And I'll tell you why I think that. We recently got a a beautiful soundbite from the character that went along the lines of, the rebuild is over. Right. Did, yeah, you, get, yeah, did yeah. you catch that one yeah, the other day? So in my mind, Pierre Dorian is walking, is waddling into his office, coming right off the subway. He's going <laughs> with his backpack. His office, with his backpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going right. This is fucking. He's going right up to his office, and he's sitting down. He's looking at his his his, his roster, his projected his 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 pool. Oh. He's going well. We've got all the skill in the world. All
0: right.
1: All we need is checkers. (laughs) We need to be a playoff team. Right. So the guy is over his head. He thinks he's done. He thinks this thing is cooked for for talent. Right. And he thinks, well, all I need now is a good third line guy. Right. So he picks Tyler Boucher as a third line guy. When... uh, when honest to God, there was so much more talent in the board, and let's be honest, you could have had Tyler Boucher, probably late in the first to maybe early in the second, if you yeah. wanted him that bad. Trade up for him late in the first. It's just so friggin' ridiculous, and Ottawa was on such a roll too. With After their last year, they they were just what a draft last
0: year, yeah, it.
1: and it they just blew it. And I'd love to be able to look at their team and say, wow, I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. But now I have to dial
0: back a little Mm -hmm. bit. And I don't know why I I should have to do that. It's funny because guys like him are guys you find on the waiver wire or the trade market or free agency. They're disposable every year. And yet you don't spend valuable draft capital on bottom six checkers. No. You know, you no, you find them no, in college. No, 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 you no. find them in the ECHL. You you scout and you you sign these guys mm-hmm. on on just like not like just on little deals here and there. You don't you don't spend a top 10 pick on them. And that's why I think like, it was a head scratcher. Like the the very very
1: like 100% best this kid can do is turn into a Tom Wilson, right? Mm. Now, if I'm any sort of team, I would even say it's tough for me to trade a 10th overall pick for Tom Wilson. A lot of teams would. Don't get me wrong. Right. But this kid has to absolutely hit every single peg possible, turn into Tom Wilson, and then maybe, mm.
0: maybe you'd, you'd get value out of him. But that's such a long shot. And, and poor kid, too. I mean, so much pressure on him now. <clears throat> you know? A guy who yeah. probably shouldn't have that much pressure— is now is now forced into this uncomfortable position of of having to live up to this this hype of a top ten pick. Yeah, you know, with with the likes of a you know a uh, 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 Thomas Shabbat, a a uh, mm. a, uh, a a a, Kachuk, a, a uh, you know who who did they draft last year? I mean. Sanderson. Yeah, Sanderson. I mean. And Stutzel. He has no business being compared to these guys, but now naturally he will be because he was a top ten pick from this draft. Exactly. It's a shame. And and don't get me wrong. I
1: still love the outlook of the Senators. Mm -hmm. It's just I don't know how you can go into the season and say the rebuild is done. Right. Like what I want from you is to give like a be like be what you were last year, get another shot at the draft lottery this year and then consider calling it done Mm -hmm. they're going to be a really exciting team I like I love their decor going forward Sanderson um, Shabbat uh, and then guys like Brandstrom and and company like that Mm -hmm. that's a really solid decor amazing Uh, I'm a huge Brady Kachuk guy Batherson I love I've streamed him in fantasy all the Mm -hmm. time I think he's a great pick this year by the way late in the draft Um, well
0: who's that other guy who was really high in fantasy too the centerman Norris Norris Yeah in, in, During the course. fantasy playoffs You're like you Buy yeah. into the Norris stock You know Yeah Yeah um, Yeah But
1: there's so many unknowns here Shane Pinto at second line center Very unknown uh, Connor Brown is a middling uh, second line winger Colin White What is he? I'm mm-hmm. not sure Still don't know Logan Brown wants out He, mm-hmm. he has requested a trade What's that about? Um, there's just so many unknowns. Like you have like the center position. If Stutzel can move to the center, great. But if not, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unknowns there. Sure. Um,
0: And then, yeah, I mean, as far as the draft, I mean, there's a few, I don't really want to deep dive into these too much, but I guess the last ones in the first round that kind of caught my eye were the goalies going 15th and 20th, respectively. The big debate was where would they fall? Okay. Funny enough, it was, it was Casa going ahead of Wallstead,
1: which no was, one saw
0: that. Coming. yeah, kind of surprising. I mean, for a guy like me who, who would follow Wallstead since the Holinka, like two years ago, that was the guy I had on, on my radar. I just always liked him to very technically sound Swedish goaltender. Yeah. He didn't go till 20. And that's right. why I have to applaud Minnesota. You know, that's a team that was in that goalie market for yeah. quite a few years now. They missed out on that Russian last year. Mm-hmm. Um. And they finally got their goalie here. They waited and waited, and they got him at twenty, which was fantastic. Um, and then I also, yeah, this Costa guy—I don't know much about him, so I'm I'm curious to see how his career unfolds compared to Walstead, yeah. who I know less about. Yeah. Um, yeah and then yeah. and then I think the Rangers did great yet again. You know, Brendan mm-hmm. Othman, I love. I do too. At, at yeah. the at the at the tournament, the Texas tournament, he he really shined. You know, so <sighs> character guy, good interviews. I'm so glad he's on the Rangers. Another great draft for the for the Rangers.
1: So perfect example. Why didn't why the fuck didn't Ottawa pick this yeah. guy? Yeah. Like you have talent there and he's mm-hmm. a grinder, you know? Mm-hmm. I he I, can yeah, play
0: in a top six or a bottom six. Blow me away. Whereas this boucher try. guy clearly has a ceiling that's yeah. already been established. Yeah. yeah. It
1: doesn't make any sense. Um but on, on Sebastian Cosa, uh you you mentioned you don't know, but yeah, I, I did a little more bit of him. digging on this kid. He's a really fascinating subject. So not only is he six foot six, mm. so right away you think Steve Eiserman, who who built the whole Vasilevsky train, mm. Vasilevsky being a big goalie who has great fundamentals and all that. Um, Sebastian Costa is like six foot six. He's massive, and he's a huge chirp artist. Yeah, that's what I heard. Huge. So he's got an, He's very overconfident, which I think as a goalie, kind of like a flurry. flurry yes. As a goalie, I think is a very valuable uh, asset to have. He's a he's a loud goalie. You're gonna see him front and center in the World Juniors this year. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be Shane Wright, uh, Sebastian Kosa, nice. and uh, likely Caden Gooley light leading the defense. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be really interesting to see him there. And uh, Nick, he in the WHL, he had a nine forty mm-hmm. save percentage. So impressive. Uh, the stats line up. The confidence is there. The body is. I mean, even if he's like not great technically, he's a big he's a big goalie. Mm-hmm. So he's it's hard he's for like him a to fast, fail. yeah
0: we've seen with Vasilevsky right. I mean yeah,
1: it's it's hard for him to fail. So, I mean, I I love what Detroit got out of this first round. That Edvinson guy in the first pick they had. Uh, pair him with Moritz Seider, who's mm-hmm. going to be probably in the running for the caller this year. Mm-hmm. He's the best. Some would say he was the best player outside of the NHL. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have this goalie going forward, like they're there, he's doing it right. Iserman knows what he's doing; he's absolutely doing it right. So I love what Detroit did with that.
0: Yeah, you got to be patient. Got to be patient with that team.
1: Yeah, ballsy to go with the with this unknown name versus the Wallstead, which you know the fan base would have been like, oh, we know this guy, mm-hmm. you know. But that's what uh, Iserman does. He goes with the guy he likes.
0: Yeah. yeah, and then I I got I heard a lot of. Uh, Last name I'll mention. Lots of praise for what Winnipeg did. They got Chad Lucius at 18. Right. You like that? You So they got Perfetti last year, one uh, one skilled guy yeah. who kind of dropped. And mm-hmm. now they get another skilled guy who kind of drops. Yeah. So is this the potential for kind of a sneaky pick? And in four years, will we look back at this like that was kind of sneaky?
1: Yeah, this could be really sneaky. A lot of people say this guy is one of the better goal scorers of the draft. Mm-hmm and uh, i i've heard his name f- if not the best yeah dating all the way back to early 2020 i've i've heard this name around mm-hmm. so i don't have a huge scouting report on him but i know he's like he's got name brand value and mm-hmm. to get that kind of guy mid to late first is 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 good value to me yeah and i think the what what really derailed him was an injury that kind of mucked his season up and if not he might have had like a top 10 level season mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm Mm-hmm. So I
1: think that's a good little pick by uh by Winnipeg. All right. Perfetti, uh, I don't know. Like the jury's still out. I'm not a huge Perfetti guy myself, but I think he did pretty well last year in the AHL. So we'll see. We'll, well see. He
0: might be in the World Juniors yet again, right? I would love that. I would love that. Apparently, He's got at, the, a lot at, to prove. at this most recent summer camp, he was one of the most talented guys who stuck out. Good. Good. So yeah, we'll see. Um, and yeah, that's all I got for the draft as far as guys I want to talk about.
1: Uh, might as well finish off with Logan Mayu last month, uh, Montreal thirty one.
0: Oh yes, 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 of course. Quick, we're like we
1: don't uh, we're not the authority on this type of thing, <laughs> and I'm sure it's been talked about at ad nauseum. But uh, yeah, pretty disappointing that they picked him. That being said, from like that that side of the story has been covered a ton. Yeah. Were Obviously, just, we're disappointed. Yeah. Um, However, I I know a good, reputable draft guy who said this is actually one of the best defensemen in the the class. Like, talent-wise, he is a mid- to early first-round talent. Um, So, value-wise, there's value there. He just got suspended by the OHL indefinitely, likely to be reviewed uh, at the turn of the the new year. Um, So, I'm sure if he does the right things, shows his receipts, does does the right things he should be reinstated for the ohl and he'll join the london knights uh
0: so yeah not a place to be if you're uh if you got a history like him (laughs) right not a not a good city to be in send him out to sarnia
1: yeah you know yeah yeah so yeah that'll be a little hiccup in his development like it's just a headache that is really kind of frustrating to have as a as a montreal fan but um Ah, uh, you know what? Uh, hopefully, he pans out. Hopefully, he turns into a good, good defenseman. But yeah, yeah, we're not the authority on this.
0: Topic, no, I don't so. want to <laughs> spit it. Like we, <laughs> yeah. we could spit into our microphones right now and go ham about this. Yeah, you know, right. disrespecting the victim kind mm-hmm, of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's been over. Not that it's been overplayed, because it is a serious subject that deserves its its time. It certainly does. Yeah. But we're right. not going to lend any more valuable insight that no one else has shared to this point you know yeah what else do we have to contribute to this to this argument yeah yeah. it's been it's been it's had its it's 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 its rightfully so it's had its time yeah and and we frankly aren't gonna make time for our show to to elaborate on that anymore you know yeah if you want to listen to people talk about that it's out there Mm um yeah click away it is a click away it, it's a click away and, it, and it's there for you and and yeah and that's not undermining you know the 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 merit that 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 story has had because rightfully so it was kind of a a gutless act by the by the canadians but mm-hmm. you know if you want to listen to to people talk about that it's there and and we're just yeah we're not political here we're not going to get into that that's kind of been our identity from from day one. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless you have any lasting thoughts, I, I think no, not not really. No. Yeah. I think that uh, that says it. That yeah. says it. Yeah. Um so yeah, moving on. Um there's a couple I mean, of course, you know, we, we kind of broke down our show into like, you know, off season draft kraken playoff stuff. So that leads us to the off season, which it's probably the most biggest thing to cover here. There's so much. It was an unprecedented off-season. It was an unprecedented August 1st or whatever the day was. Yeah. I mean, my phone was lighting up. I was on vacation in British Columbia. I was checked out. I was not on Twitter. I was not checking The Athletic. I couldn't care less what was going on. But you guys and our Facebook group, you, Joe, and Josh – we're just—I swear to God—I'd reload my phone and there'd be eighty notifications. It would just be eighty things. Yeah. And 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 rightfully so. It all started with Mark Andre Flurry. You know, I think that was kind of the first big bombshell that dropped. You know. Yeah. Vegas shipping him out to Chicago. Him saying he wasn't gonna play for Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean. That was that was dramatic. I oh, wasn't winning surprised. winning the Vesna too. <laughs> right after he in the Vesna. Crazy. What what kind of bullshit is that? Crazy. Yeah, it' crazy. That's that's the perfect way to put it. And uh, yeah, it's pretty surreal. But now everything's been settled. You know, he's gonna start there. He's gonna be their starting goalie. Everyone's happy. That's good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was huge. You guys were talking a lot about that. I mean, what 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 else? I mean, and I won't I won't go too much into that because that had the writings on the wall. Like I said, after the gaff mm. in Game Three in Montreal, that was bound to happen. They had to get rid of him. They had to out. They had to free up that that cap space. Mm-hmm. It it just it had to be done. Um,
1: I mean, well, even just staying on Chicago, you got Duncan Keith going to Edmonton. Yep. In, and then in a, a strange head scratcher of a deal.
0: Yeah. I mean the rumor was he only wanted to play in Western Canada, right? So Which just, is also yeah. like when do you hear that? That's really odd. His options were really limited. Yeah. And and that was one of the teams that kinda lent a handout for him. And and that guy, that GM in Edmonton, he's been getting a lot of shit for stuff like that, you know? They've yeah. had an odd off season. That's yeah. for sure. That, Ethan have. Ethan Bear a guy went who went the other way. Yeah, went, he's, he's gone, and that was a D. They really. And they gave a third. And they gave a third. That Which was is a, so weird. And then, and then yes, they do get Zach Hyman. They do get the treasured Maple Leafs player, you yes. know? And we'll get into the implications for the Leafs later on. Yeah. But the fact it was at a seven-year deal has gotten a lot of cris- criticism, too, right? A, a guy who plays that very hard-note style, how sustainable is that for seven years? Yeah. So. Very. Oh, and like, fuck, re-signing Tyson Barry? Like, give yeah. me a fucking break. Like, is yeah. this guy really? Is this guy really the stud defenseman that you know? You 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 can just bring him back. Is this the future? Is is this Connor McDavid's running mate? Wow. on the power play for the next four years. I mean, you had him in fantasy. Did he not? Serve I was happy. Well? I was fine. Did he serve? But, but I still, th- I still think he's a very flawed defenseman. Oh, he's a flawed. Like, I, yes, I think he's extremely yes.
1: flawed. Of course. However, I mean, if you just play him last pairing minutes on even strength and and power play, he got the most points he, out
0: of all defensemen. He's Keith Yandel. He's Keith ba- Yandel. he's he's basically yes. a Keith Yandel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing.
1: I don't know either, and I don't know
0: why you're giving out four-year terms to that guy.
1: He got the most points out of all defensemen, which is just that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. pretty amazing. Could you imagine if an actually great, actual great defenseman played on that blue line on that power play? Mm -hmm. That'd be
0: crazy. And then the head more head scratchers: Mike Smith, two years, four point four million. Like fuck okay, me.
1: I, I will never understand the goalie situation yeah, there.
0: They still haven't solved it. We cannot wrap our head around that
1: around that. No. They better uh, fix that or else they're not gonna make it. Yeah. They're
0: not gonna make it. That should it. be where you're prioritizing. Yeah. You should be you should be in the the hour runnings for him. Yeah. Or or the Kemper runnings for him. Yeah. Or Nadeljevic. Nadeljevic goes for fuck. a fuck. N- Nadeljevic goes for a uh Jonathan Bernier in a third round pick. You're te- you're telling me Edmonton doesn't Edmonton doesn't have Jonathan Bernier in a third round pick in their arsenal to swap for Nadeljevic? If if Kenny Holland was working the
1: phones for a goalie,
0: he would have figured something out with these
1: guys. Yeah. He wasn't. Why was he not prioritizing that? Why was he on the phone, like completely possessed by getting Duncan Keith and Zach? don't get me wrong I love the Zach Hyman move it's going to be great but if you like you're spending too much time on things you don't need to worry about Mm -hmm. goalies is the biggest thing Mike Smith was great in the fucking regular season he was dog water in the playoffs Mm -hmm. he was terrible he was terrible yeah and like like I I really don't mind the forward group I'm looking at here you get Warren Fogle mixed into that that little mix here that's not too bad, but, mm. like, honest to God, get a fucking goalie here. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And it it
0: really there. is, yeah.
1: Braden Holpe's in Dallas as the third string. You better make a move for this guy.
0: Yeah. Um, and, I mean, speaking of goalies, I mean, I, get, I think this would be a nice point to touch on just the, the, the big carousel. That was goalies. I mean, I think it starts with kind of what the Leafs in Carolina did. It looks like they kind of just swapped goalies. So you had Marazic going to the Leafs. That's a three-year deal, 3.8 million AAV. And then you had uh, Freddie Anderson going to Carolina. That's a two-year deal, shorter term, but a higher AAV at 4.5 million. So a bit of a goalie swap there. Uh, the Leafs opting to go with a guy they're going to have to pay less per year, rightfully so, given how much they, they're tied up with their cap situation, but more term, which... Uh, and then, of course, Carolina, the bigger head-scratcher. I mean, you're not willing to pay Nadeljevic $3 million a year, but you are willing to pay Freddie Anderson $4.5.
1: And I And personally, I'd rather have Nadeljevic, Yeah, the younger guy who's got great numbers. He's in, in the running for the yeah. Calder last year. That was a... Carolina's a, a, a ridiculous, ridiculously managed team.
0: They've taken the title of the team that doesn't honor loyalty or character or just what the fans like in a player, you know? They're not there for the fans. They're not there for the intangibles. No. They're purely there. They're the most frugal team in the league. And they have no honor for, like, allegiances or, yeah. like... yeah. Like I it's very cutthroat. It's a very cutthroat organization. Yeah. That's kinda the feeling I get.
1: The what what seems to me is like there's an owner there who's who doesn't give a fuck about hockey. He's like, <coughs> I wanna turn a profit. Yeah. What can we do? Yeah. Offer sheet, cock and sure. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Like, this guy's an idiot. This whole this franchise, I had a lot of respect for them. But it turns out Don Cherry was right. Right. The whole, the whole thing has just gone out of control. First, the Nadalkiovich thing. But then, I mean, I, I guess it's a great time to transition. Into uh, into the uh, the Kakanami offer sheet signing. You know, like. Um, yeah, I was just saying, it's it's a great time to transition yeah. to the offer sheet signing. I mean, because we're we're on the topic of Carolina.
0: Right, and being cutthroat. And
1: being cutthroat, and and now this Mickey Mouse hockey team, which has just turned itself into a clown show.
0: Where's your mic?
1: It's not not doing too well. Do you mind uh, putting yours in the middle, actually? Yeah, so we all know what happened last year with Sebastianity, Aho, Yeah. Montreal offer sheets them a, a, a number that is relatively fair, relatively relaxed, and then they match it right away. No drama, no drama. But now we have them coming around, and I'm sure you guys know all about this, coming around and offer sheeting Kotkaniemi, uh $6.1 million for a one-year deal and, uh, and totally throwing a wrench into the Canadians' plans. Now, a lot of things come together to make this such a, a vulnerable situation because Montreal obviously was really weak at the center position. They're relying on this Kotkaniemi kid to, to hopefully step up. They just lost a no. They just lost a bunch of guys. Um, and then, you know, he's, he's a kid who's got a top billing, who hasn't performed well, certainly doesn't earn $6.1 million. So they're offering him something around two, $2.5 million. Something kind of, you know, in line with what his numbers have suggested. And and then Carolina comes up, offers him way too much, and then goes off to offer the fucking $20 signing bonus just to rub it in, just to make it a marketing ploy. This is absolutely not for the team. I don't care what the fucking GM or the owner says. This is not to make the team better. It's to fucking sell tickets as to what it is. Now kids are going to be buying Cock in the Emmy jerseys because they screwed that team in Canada. That's what this is about, right. Nick. That's all it's about. This is all it's about. And, and you get all this shit done, you're not even going to play him at center. He's now a left winger on your team. So it's like, did you really have all this faith in him? Did you really see a, a kid who's, who's looking to take the next step? No, you're going to put him on the wing. He's probably going to put up 40 to 50 points, something very underwhelming. And then, uh, and then you're going to sign him to what, like a $4 million deal, unless he tenders the qualifying offer and forces you to pay him 6.1. Like, to me, what this has done, Nick, it's so ridiculous because you're now on the hook for 6.1, for a mediocre player and it stops you it it, it doesn't enable you to get a, a talented rental at the deadline and now they don't have that option or they have it to a lesser degree so it's like what is fucking going on here it to me it's a clown show
0: yeah it's a spiteful team in carolina pushing back you know and it's mark bergevin having to react and make the best out of a very shitty situation, right? And I think that's what they, I mean, you didn't even mention the name Dvorak, right? I mean, that's, that's where they're headed now, right? What, who is Christian Dvorak? Apparently, the Habs are sold this guy's a top six centerman. I know the, you know, Arizona doesn't get a lot of play here in Canada, Um. So a lot of to a lot of people, this is just some some name. But this is the guy. Jake Evans is not a top six center, you know. Uh, so if if this is the guy, his replacement, so to speak, you lost Philip Deneau, you lost Kakanyemi. Where's your faith in their center depth here with Christian Devorak as your as your number two center?
1: Yeah. Uh, well. I'll tell you where it is. It's not as good as it was a year ago, but it's a lot better than it was a month ago. Because I think Christian Dvorak is a better player than Kotkaniemi. Um, but I do really, really think they're going to miss Philip Deneau in a lot of ways. Um, what I will acknowledge, based on their offseason moves, is yes, Christian Dvorak, I think, can be a very competent second-line center. I think he's going to be a 50, 55-point guy. He's actually a power play specialist, which I was actually surprised to learn. Uh, As a net front guy, as like that bumper position, he's actually a specialist in that role. Um, So that fills a need um, settling that uh, anemic Montreal power play. Um, And then you add in an addition like Mike Hoffman. As a, as a trigger man on said power play, and all of a sudden you've got like oh we've got Caulfield, Hoffman, and Christian Dvorak uh, settling this. This could be this could be a pretty good situation. So it's not ideal by any means losing Dano, but uh, having Dvorak there gives me a lot of faith. And what I will say, Nick, and I heard this on the Montreal radio too, and I and I totally vibed with it. The Montreal winger depth. Is the strongest it's been in in many, many, many years. You have three lines of wingers that could not only put up each twenty goals, but they are each sixty-plus point players. Left side, you have Mike Hoffman, Jonathan Drew, and Tyler Toffoli. Right side, you have Cole Caulfield, Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson. That's a formidable winger depth. So that's really impressive to me. Nick Suzuki is going to, as we saw last year's playoff, going to emerge as a first-line center. Um and then you've got like Matthew Perot and uh, and a Cedric Paquette plugging into the, the bottom six. Corey Perry's gonna hurt big time. For sure. We love Corey Perry. Awesome. That sucks. That sucks big time. But we're gonna get over it. And for the record, Weber's out all year, which we talked about, but he was shit in last year's regular season because he's just he's on his last legs and he really showed up for the playoffs, but I don't think he would have contributed much either way in this current uh, regular season. So,
0: yeah. You sound too optimistic. Like, it sounds you're you, like this is, like, make no mistake, this has been a pretty disastrous off-season for the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Oh, I disagree completely.
0: You had a great playoff run. You made it to the Stanley Cup final, and then all these shite things happened. The Carey Price drama, Logan Malia drama, offseason you lose Philip Deneau Shea Weber's injured for the full year um, y- 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 you sign Mike Hoffman who is undisputably a hot dog who doesn't contribute anything on even strength and is only going to contribute on the power play which I mean to Montreal's point that's somewhere they need to improve in, that, in, the, in the playoffs that was an embarrassment their power play so the fact he's going to be there to, to try to bolster it is great. Jonathan Duran drama, him moving away from the team. Lots of people were saying he wasn't going to come back. You know, your, your jersey was going to lose a lot of value potentially, but but it looks like he will be back, and that's just water under the bridge right now. But the point is, this team enters this year, I mean, losing Corey Perry worse, and then, of course, Kokenyemi worse than they were Against Tampa in the Stanley Cup final, you can't deny that.
1: I disagree completely. Um, I disagree. You're, well, from a like if you just simply look at the regular season perspective, you're going to get a full season of Cole Caulfield, right? We know what this kid can do. He, he, he's probably going to put up 30 goals this year. Based on what we saw and what we what we've been seeing in his career, uh, Mike Hoffman is no joke. Let's not—he's a, he's he's a not hot dog. Kyle he's an idiot. Player. I know, I know. He's an idiot. I don't like the player, but for the team, this guy is one is one of the top ten best goal scorers of the last five years. There's no denying it. Statistically, there's no denying it. He's a thirty goal guy. So now you got two 30-goal guys. Okay, now let's add in Tyler Toffoli. He was on pace for 40 goals last year. So it's like, where, where does it... Brendan Gallagher is, a tw- is easily a 20-plus goal guy. There's a lot to like here. And Jonathan Druan <laughs>
0: <laughs> I,
1: I don't even know where to start. What I will say about Jonathan... Jonathan Drouin is coming out on like a French documentary... To kind of describe what happened to him. And that's coming out on the 20th of September.
0: Nice.
1: So buckle right up and and tune in. But it looks like he's back, and he even said he might want to play center as well. So hey, fuck. It's gonna be a great team.
0: They're gonna make the playoffs, I guarantee it. And and you maintain that Mark Bergerman made the right call by not re-signing uh, KK? Yeah, I
1: can't believe we didn't. Uh, absolutely. I, to, I was never a fan of KK from the moment they drafted him. I was that lady's meme where she was like blown away by the pick. That was me. This was a total ruination of a draft. It, it was born from the idea of not having enough center depth in the beginning. They didn't have enough center depth, so they tried to draft from a position of need, and they ended up not taking the best player available. And we've we've figured it out. His draft year sucked, man. Like he was a very he was a a mid to late first round pick, and then he had a good under eighteen team, uh, a good good under eighteen tournament, and he fucking vaulted up. I do not understand how you could put so much value in such a tournament, like. Wh- blows me away I never saw the skill level I never saw any sort of talent that would make him a third overall pick he doesn't move the needle he never has for me so in in a lot of ways this is this is a relief and and I I like Dvorak better all in all to be honest
0: and and like the nature of an offer sheet the fact that the player has to actually decide to sign it does that speak volumes of just the the, the personalities and the attitude whittling around here the fact he was maybe a little little uh a little unnerved by the fact he was sat in that Tampa series maybe he already had one foot out the door maybe him and Bergie weren't getting along maybe his the way they handled it his development wasn't great I know he's been on the record saying you know quote-unquote they didn't do a great job doing that So maybe there was some bad blood there and and this is the best for everyone. Maybe he just didn't want to be there. Is that, is that kind of the the take you have?
1: Yeah. I mean, for the record, I'm with Gord Miller and and saying, yes, he was absolutely rushed into his development. Um, And I I absolutely think that the way things have gone for him, that he got a little impatient, got a little upset with the way things were going. And, uh, and he wanted to change the scenery. Now was is he has he shown enough to deserve that kind of clout and that that ability to make these kind of decisions i don't think so i I guess the the situation came up with carolina but this guy hasn't shown me enough to be able to to wave his dick around and say hey you know i deserve so much more opportunity he really hasn't like You drafted a a subpar player, he gave you a subpar performance, and you sat him a little bit, and then he got a little upset. The worst thing that could have happened to his career was him being drafted third overall. If he was drafted 10th, he would have had more time to develop, and he would have been in a better place today. It's just a shame it went this way.
0: As Arpan Basu said on The Athletic, the situation Mark Bergeron found himself in very akin to... It's a bit like a girl who meets a new guy and breaks up with her boyfriend just before it's time to renew the lease on their apartment. Is it worth it for the guy to convince her to stick around even if they will simply be roommates from then on? Does that analogy make any sense?
1: Honestly, uh, I'm, having my, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that.
0: <laughs> I did too. I had to read it several times. But I guess his point is it's like you're kind of stuck together even though you don't really want to be with together be with each other and so it would just be awkward to keep things going as quote-unquote roommates or in this case as as a uh, you know as as teammates despite him really deep down his feelings not really wanting to be there you know he's probably happy to go where all those fins are you oh. know in in uh in in carolina yeah agreed agreed yeah okay well that's enough of montreal i mean there's a few more I want to touch on here before we move on from the uh, the off season. Um, I mean, we talked about Carolina, um, and again, we didn't even touch on Tony D'Angelo. I mean, oh so the guy on you're wearing their jersey right now. The guy who literally punched Georgiev in the face. I one like. Or did Georgiev punch him in the face? Yes. Yeah. So literally, the guy who got punched in the face by the Rangers goalie is now back in the NHL for this decrepit, soulless, characterless franchise in in Carolina. So does this just make them even more of the villains of the NHL?
1: You never thought the day would come because of the whole you know funny celebration thing but they are not the innocent team they once were yeah. this these guys are the villains man like this is this is okay the owner tom dundon is the new eugene melnick mm-hmm. and they're new they're this fucking tony d'angelo situation they're the new montreal canadians like it, it's crazy they are the villain in, in multiple different fronts And the fact they they barely paid uh, Rod Brindamore, they had to they had to fight tooth and nail, or Rod had to fight tooth and nail to get them to pay him. It's it's a joke. It's just they're a joke, man. And and I don't think you can find success this way. And they're a team I cannot wait to see
0: fail, as bad as that sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they just annually lose in the second round, like they have their whole kind of legacy these past few years. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, a couple more things. I mean, lots of, lots of trades. I mean, some big ones, um, lot lo- lots to touch on. I mean, you mentioned Vancouver and all those Vancouverites you interacted with uh, when you were out there uh, sojourning through the West uh, defenseman, all Gar- of Reckman Larson and right winger Connor Garland to Vancouver coyotes receive a first round pick in 2021 that's the number ninth pick second round pick that they used on gunther we didn't touch on him uh second round pick in 2022 seventh round pick in 2023 left winger louis erickson jay beagle antoine roussel in arizona retains 12 percent of ekman larson's salary so you're you're saying they were bullish on this those Vancouver rights because I mean it got, Connor Garland is great but you're saying they still see life in this Oliver Reckman Larson they don't see this guy as just a bot because clearly Arizona just saw him as a guy signed to a shitty contract with a shit ton of years left lots of salary what is it nine million a year and then they just need to get rid of his salary. And they're, they're getting picks in replacement for it. So you're saying these Vancouverites aren't really looking at it that way? They're, they see this as a guy who's still got some, some shelf life?
1: Yeah, the way that we were talking about it together was that Arizona is a place where a lot of guys can get complacent in their career. You know, they can get... In a rut, like if the the team's bad, no one cares what your performance is because there's no fans there and there's no expectation that you can just fall into a rut. And I think Ekman Larson coming to Vancouver or any medium to big market team is gonna give him a bit of a bit of a resurgence. Is he gonna be top flight Ekman Larson? No, I don't think he's gonna be that. But in, in a second pairing role, with you know, with mentoring minutes like eighteen minutes a night. I think he could be a valuable guy i mean i think behind quinn hughes and and playing with a tyler myers type of guy like i think it could be a good match here um and but he's the secondary piece in the deal i think connor garland who just reminds me of a farmer in a lot of ways like he's just a consistent worker work ethic no matter where he goes uh that's the kind of guy i see him as is, is like he's uh he's a brendan gallagher in a lot of ways but he's got a ton of skill um, this guy's just—he's a, a spark plug, and and it's going to really invigorate this Vancouver group, um, which has been—you know—they've seen some runs, they've seen some peaks and valleys, and I think this is a stabilizing force. Um, and what we talked about with the Vancouver guys, which I totally vibed with them on, is that Bo Horvat, as a leader, is one of the top guys, top leaders in this league. That he just sets a. a perfect example he's there for all the right reasons and uh and he he's very much the new jonathan taves of of today's nhl uh in in a lot of ways perhaps not to that skill level but in a lot of other um, intangible
0: ways and then of course the other big trade uh blackhawks receive seth jones a first round pick and a sixth for defenseman adam Boakfist, a first another first don't often seen you don't often see two first round picks going 2021 first and a 2022 first and a 2021 second round pick for seth jones uh so lots of things swapping there of course columbus made the most of that they had three first round picks after making that trade and and seth jones joins his brother caleb jones who used to be on Edmonton in Chicago. So all of a sudden, Chicago looks like a team that's making a run, trading for Flower and then now trading for Seth Jones and all that salary they're taking on. So what do you see this as? Chicago seeing as we got one more little bullet left in the chamber with Kane and Taves, and, and we're going to bring home a franchise defenseman and, and, and a goalie who, who just won the Vezina to try to get a, get over the hump here?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. A lot has to break their way. Um, Seth Jones, I fully agree with that statement. Franchise defenseman, he's, he's to me, one of the top 10 best ones you can possibly get out there. Um, but when you see what it's surrounded by, a Calvin DeHaan, a Jake McCabe, Connor Murphy, there's not a whole lot else on there. So there's still work to do on the blue line. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, as a fit in Chicago, I I adore that fit in chicago i think that's so so righteous um i think that could be a really good partnership down the line um there's their center depth is very interesting again question marks a lot of variability jonathan taves was out all last year with god knows what kind of condition Mm. Uh, what kind of player is he going to be big fantasy question too as a, as a late round guy i don't know what kind of guy jonathan taves is anymore as a hockey player kirby Doc is a guy i'm going to be targeting late in, in in the draft this guy looked like a absolute stud going into world junior camp he looked like he was like going to be a world beater and then he got that injury missed some time came back was s- subpar so so um, but a lot of pundits are saying he's going to be the new number one center there. Uh, Kane and Debrinket on his wings. That could be just an awesome, awesome match. So the defense, def- everything, I, I like the top end of the forwards. I like the top end of the defense. I like the top end of the goaltending. But depth in each position I have a lot of questions about, and um, they're going to have to do a lot of work. They're going to have to do a lot of proving to make sure that, uh, that they're ready for a run here because they've invested a lot to make a run.
0: They got a lot of work to do to get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're, I, I always got the, pr- the impression that management team there has always been is so long. It's like Pittsburgh's. It's like Malkin and Crosby. So long as we got Kane and Taves, you need to field a competitive team every year. We're not doing a rebuild with these guys on our cap, you know, yeah. and, and I just got that impression. So it, it makes sense based on their MO there. Uh, moving on, another trade, Colorado traded for Darcy Kemper. I want your thoughts on this, given you're the big fan here. This is courtesy of The Athletic, and, you know, we've often talked on this show about how much of a genius Joe Sackick is, you know, everything he touches just it turns into just pixie dust, you know. And and, and and you look at here, courtesy of The Athletic. Must have been a shock when the avalanche looked up from looking uh, locking up Captain Gabriel Landeskog to a long-term deal to discover their Vezina Trophy finalist netminder, Philip Grubauer, had signed with the Kraken, and all the other goaltenders they might have been interested in had gone elsewhere. That forced GM Joe Sakic into scramble mode to land a goaltender that late Wednesday, they did just that, acquiring Darcy Kemper from the Coyotes. Kemper has one year left on his current deal at $4.5 million, but it cost the Avalanche a first-round pick in 2022, and defensive prospect Connor Timmons, the 32nd pick in 2017. Even with Arizona retaining $1 million of Kemper's salary, not sure this is how they mapped it out in the Avalanche War Room. Do you agree with that statement? Kind of they made the best of a shitty situation that they really didn't foresee. And and Joe Sackick, for the first time in his tenure, got kind of blindsided. Uh,
1: you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't think blindsided is a bit of an extreme way to put it. I think that Colorado wanted a top goalie from this free agent. You know mess that it was and for the record, I think Colorado got the best goalie that was moved in this off season. better than Marc-Andre Fleury better than all these guys. I think Dar- Darcy Camper is going to be the backup to carry price on Team Canada. I think he's one of the better goalies in this league uh, was the price rich. Yeah, it was rich. I mean, the 2022 second, I'm not overly concerned about because it's going to be the 32nd pick overall. Um, but losing Connor Timmins does hurt. He was a 2017 guy. He was a guy that came up in the McCarr draft. Um, he was a guy I really liked. And in fact, last playoff, he was a guy that I was calling for them to play more. I was like, you got to get more Connor Timmins on the ice against this Vegas team because this guy is the only one really with that big body presence and and doing that kind of stuff. So to lose him sucks big time. But um, it does make sense in a way, Nick, because they have to make room for a Bowen Byram. They have this guy waiting in the wings. He's not going to be waiting forever. This is his time. And uh, there was no room for both Byram and Timmons in that top four. So with Devon Taves, Kale McCarr locked down, you've got Sam Gerrard locked down. There's no room for Connor Timmins in a top four spot. It's either Byram or Timmins, and you chose the correct answer, which is Bowen Byram. Yeah, well, who is Connor Timmins on a on a bottom pairing defenseman? Nothing, you know. It's not where he belongs. So it, at the end of the day, it was the right move if you, if you consider um, the capital that they had waiting in the wings. Um, and I I I love Darcy Kemper. He's a Saskatoon native. Everybody like. You need to get so hyped for this guy. He's like, As long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be like a 935 on this Colorado
0: team. It's it's going to be insanity how good this guy's going to be. I think it's fascinating how reports from The Athletic said that before they'd made the Kemper move, plan B after losing uh, Grubauer was actually signing Frederick Anderson. So they they held Frederick Anderson to a higher to a high esteem. They rather sign him and save Timmons in the first than have to make a trade for Kemper. Uh, unfortunately, Freddie signed with the Canes, and so they had to go to Plan C, which was making the deal for Kemper. And and another guy they looked into was Linus Olmark from Buffalo. Sure. But Boston locked him up to a four-year deal worth $5 million. So basically, they lost Grubauer. Then their plan B's two guys kind of went. They signed. And so at that point, they had no choice. Nathan McKinnon was pounding his fist on the table saying, you better get us a goalie or else we're going to get mucked in the playoffs again. And they, and, they, and they pulled the trigger on Kemper on a one-year rental. So uh, So that's where they're at. Which I like him too. I think he's I, to your point. He's he's certainly a guy will be in the discussion for Team Canada, and uh, yeah, they'll they'll go from there. But for the time that's being,
1: that's all I gotta say.
0: Yeah, sure enough, fair enough. Um, and again, like, gotta get into it just because we're on the topic of goaltenders. I mean, such a crazy carousel, like like no other years before us. I mean. I, I still think it's crazy how a guy like, you know, Mrazic goes for 3.8 and it goes for 3. But a guy like Jonathan Bernier, who seemingly hasn't done anything in Detroit the last you know few years, he went for 4.1 million, I think. And, and that's, just, that's just ridiculous for a guy who, frankly, hasn't really proven anything. Jonathan Bernier, 4.1 million over two years to the, to the devils. What an awful... Awful signing. Uh, Mike Smith, we got into with the Oilers. Martin Jones has has a career still.
1: That's
0: bad. He was bought out by San Jose. Buyout basically means you're too bad to be on our team. We're paying you to leave to get off of our payroll. And he's signing in Philadelphia. So what a fucking... What a fucking casket of death that continues to be in in Philly goaltender world. They're gonna have Carter Hart trying to rebound from a seemingly awful, awful, awful year, and his backup is Martin Jones. How's that for drama in Philadelphia?
1: Philly is uh Philly's is pure insanity. Like they did they completely revamped their whole team. Not only did they get that the backup goalie of martin jones they got rasmus rissalainen and they paid a first rounder to get him which is just and first rounder and carter like haig or whatever whoever whatever his first name is which is crazy to me they got rid of jake voracek they got cam atkinson which i actually i actually like uh and they also got rid of nolan patrick and didn't they get did they get ryan ellis in that deal
0: yeah it was a big deal
1: it was a big deal. that was a big deal we have to get into that one because like Philly is a, is
0: d- absolutely yeah I got, give it I got up. the details here it's the Predators trading Ryan Ellis to the Flyers for Nolan Patrick Philip Myers and the Predators flip Nolan Patrick to Golden Knights for your boy Cody Glass um interesting interesting so
1: patrick is is a vegas golden knight yes glass is a
0: is a uh predator
1: is a predator Mm -hmm. and ryan ellis is a philadelphia flyer so i'm just looking at it quick right now um you have cam atkinson now on your second line uh, this is interesting, something I didn't see before. You have Ryan Ellis as your top pairing. You have Rasmus Ristolainen on your second pairing. You have Keith Yandel on your third pairing. Like, that's a pretty interesting defense. Ellis and Proverb, number one. Sanheim and Risto, and then Yandel and Braun. Like, that is a really, really interesting defense. I... I, I th- As much as they paid a lot and a lot of wacky shit happened, I think Philly could make some noise this year. But then again, I said that last year. So I seriously don't... I think a lot lot of this, honestly, I think is coaching. And and I'm not sure if they've solved that issue yet. But uh, that's a wacky move. Out of the two of them, Nick, who do you think could make their team regret more? Cody Glass or Nolan Patrick? Two guys drafted very high, with a very high billing who haven't really done much yet. Very tough
0: answer. <clears throat> I'd, Nolan
1: Patrick
0: in Vegas. Interesting. Well, I, I wanna, I, I'm split because I want to say Nolan Patrick because he, he's in a he's in a situation to succeed because you're with a lot of talented forwards there in Vegas, you know? And, like, I, I feel like you have more guys to play around with. But Cody Glass hasn't gotten a fair shake. Like I, I think I think Nolan Patrick has had a long. he's had time in Philly to show himself, you know It hasn't been for a lack of trying. I know he's had some injury issues, but he's still he's, he's, he's had his time in a top six role. He's had his time to, to play with guys in Philly. Cody Glass just couldn't really make the lineup in Vegas. And, and during that whole playoff series against Montreal, I couldn't help but say like Nick Suzuki is lighting it up for Montreal against Vegas. And this guy who Vegas picked ahead of Nick Suzuki in the very same draft isn't even playing in the fucking series. Right. Right. That was hard to suck. Like, as a Vegas fan, that was tough to swallow. Yeah. The best guy from that draft among Branstrom, Suzuki, and Glass, you traded to Montreal. and he and, and he lit you up. And it was a big part in why you got booted from the playoffs. And, he, and your guy... Your guy who you drafted, what, fifth overall or whatever? Wasn't even fucking there for the show. He didn't even have a ticket. And even worse, in that patch-ready
1: trade, you probably asked for Cody Glass, and Vegas said, no, you can have Nick Suzuki. Like, take that in. Montreal probably wanted Cody Glass. And they're like, no, not Cody. You can have Nick Suzuki. Crazy, crazy,
0: crazy, crazy. Yeah.
1: that's so that's so likely happened. That conversation very likely
0: happened. Mm-hmm. No, oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it, and and yeah. So again, I'm split there. I feel like Cody Glass needs a chance, you know. He needs a chance, right. but maybe I don't know. I feel like Nashville's that place forwards go to die, you know. Yeah. <laughs> whereas whereas like a Nolan Patrick is going to Vegas. They got a lot of guys there. He could his career can only get better in a way it seems, you know. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I mean. Other than that, because that was one of the ones I wanted to touch on, uh, for the for the Joes of the world, wh- what did you think of the Leafs offseason? I mean, Peter Mrazek, like we said, three years, $3.8 million. David Kampf, Kampf two, two, <laughs> two years, $1.5 million. Michael Bunting, oh. a Kyle Dubas butt buddy. Two years at 950k. Michael Amadio, one year 750k. Alex Biega, one year 750k. Carl Dahlstrom, one year 750k. And Curtis Gabriel, the big grinder out from San Jose, he goes for one mil 750k. What did you make of this Leafs offseason? this is uh perplexing to say the least
1: just a lot of fucking nonsense honestly <laughs> God um, no honestly like Nick Ritchie moves the needle for me oh, um, yes. I like that especially no.
0: he's like an ogre
1: yeah he, he is an ogre. an ogre I did I did I did he is an ogre he, he's an idiot like he didn't he didn't do much in Boston what makes you think uh, anyways anyways. They needed, they needed some left-wing help big time, big time. So th- this is a player where Dubas is like, oh, he's going to be a big body presence. Is he, is he going to replace Zach Hyman? Not a chance. Not a chance is this guy going to... This guy's more of a fucking brainless body checker than a than like a, a go-get-the-puck guy any day of the week. Don't expect him to go and fish pucks for Matthews and Marner. It's not going to happen. He, he might lay a big hit now and then, and he might tap in a goal now and then. That's it. As of right now, Daily Faceoff has Alexander Kerfoot moving to the left side because it's so fucking dismal on the left side right now. And they have David Kampf, mein Kampf, um, playing on the third line with Bunting and Mikheyev, who breaking news, has requested a trade out of the Great Land of Toronto mm. and uh, and is going to be out out of the out of the door sooner rather than later. So I this team is undeniably worse than last year. Um, you've lost your top character guy. You've lost him. And uh, and everything else is relatively stagnant. Um, Matthews and Marner are going to be... Let's be honest, they're going to have a little bit of regression. I don't think Matthews is going to score to 65-goal pace anymore. So regressing on the top. And then you're going to have Jason Spezza, Wayne Simmons, and company getting older. Um, so, fuck, I, I, like this team has gone backwards to me um the defense is largely the same not a whole lot of movement there and then you have guys like very unproven guys like jack campbell who knows this is not the north anymore my my friends this is going to be the entire league where things aren't as simple as they were before jack campbell this is going to be his first full season as a starter Uh, and then I like Mrazic as a backup, I'll be honest, uh, and then that's that's the way it is, I think Toronto's going to be fighting for a playoff spot, absolutely, they're not going to be top three in the Atlantic, I think that belongs to Boston, Tampa, and Florida, and uh, they're going to be fighting the Rangers and company for the wildcard spots in the, um, in the metro and so on, so i think the metro will be locked up by teams like washington new york islanders and potentially the rangers the flyers these kinds of teams and then the wild card is up up for grabs toronto fucking new york montreal Montreal. it's going to be tough for them a fucking carolina (laughs) what Carolina makes all these moves. You don't think they're going to be right in the thick of things. Carolina could come top three in the Metro f- very easily. And then you're fighting maybe Pittsburgh. You know, like this team could not make it. This, hey, say all you want about Montreal. This team will be in a battle. They're not going to be fucking walking to
0: the playoffs. I can't even remember how the playoff works in the old playoff format. So, so again, the wild card. So how many teams make it out of each division? so top 3 teams in each division and then the two wild card spots yeah, yeah. see that total i my mind's blown i forgot about that just cuz this bullshit we've had to deal with the last year yeah um okay yeah then yeah certainly i i they'll be fighting for sure and and the impetus of course is not to just come forth not to get one of those wild cards because then you got to probably play tampa you know so you, you you don't want that to happen so yeah no, it'll be interesting in Leafland. Um, and, and, yeah, it's definitely, like I said at the end of last year, I didn't even want to watch the regular season just because, for me, it would just be meaningless, you know, just because I, I know they'd make it and then come the playoffs, I'd tune in. But now, all of a sudden, the way Florida has improved, you know, it's now like, well, wait a second. Now you got to take a step back, and the, and the regular season actually means something. So, yes. yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um yeah, no, they, they had a good offseason. They, they've slowly been getting better. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's it, all I've got for the offseason. I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on, or can we get into our little extracurriculars here? There is, there is, there is. I, I don't know
1: if you consider this extracurriculars or offseason, but uh, we should touch on Jack Eichel right? Uh, just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> my personal opinion is I heard the 31 Thoughts. Um, interview with Elliot Friedman and company with uh, with that doctor that that doctor that is representing Jack Eichel's personal doctor and this injury doesn't appeal to me whatsoever like after hearing that I heard both uh, surgery options and I was like you know what fuck like I don't want any part of this guy any like seriously the one option was like you can get the surgery Uh, you're gonna be okay not as good as you were before for five years and you're probably gonna have to get another surgery the other option was uh, you get the surgery it's like a 90 percent 80 to 90 percent success rate and then you'll be okay for 15 years so it's like okay like are you gonna be 100 percent though that's what I kept asking myself for the entire time are we gonna ever see Jack Eichel 100% ever again and I didn't get a solid answer Out of that interview. So that's not cool. Um, As for potential landing spots. um, I've circled. Obviously the Rangers. uh, The Minnesota Wild. In there. And the Anaheim Ducks. uh, As my front runners. Um, And what I want to ask you. Just out of your personal opinion. What. um, At this point in time. What is the asking price. And what would you be willing to give up. uh, As you know, a team in the NHL? I know, I know the the asking price is astronomical, but what do you think it's going to be at the end of the day?
0: I mean, I'm trying to look at comparables, right? And the the thing is you don't really have a, a, a comparable right there in front of you. I'd say the closest thing is the Seth Jones deal, right? Seth Jones in a first and a sixth, for a bokefist, a first, a first, and a second. So the firsts kind of mitigate each other. So it's basically a first, a second, and bokefist who's kind of, kind of like a B prospect. That's for Seth Jones. Eichel's a tier above. Yeah. At least I'd say so. Um, so yeah, if you're getting Jack Eichel, probably I like two first round picks in like a b prospect or a first and a prospect and like something else maybe you know yeah is is that what they cuz cuz from what i hear that kevin adams he's just asking way too much yeah. and no one's he, can, he just can't find a dance partner right now but i i'd want two firsts in a piece or like a first and a prospect yeah in a piece like a if he's coming to Anaheim, if he's coming to Anaheim, I want a first, I want Zegris or Drysdale, and I want like a B like a something like a B level thing. I think that's reasonable.
1: That's what he's asking right now. Yeah. Sorry, that that's what he's asking right now, but teams are hanging up the phone. I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. How many times does yeah. like that happen? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what I yeah, and it's crazy because I'm sure the the idea and like the rumor mill has been out there but the idea of Eichel for Lafreniere in a second that's been out there that has been uttered in some circles I think personally I'd love I I'd, I'd kind of like for that to happen just cuz I like chaos and I think it'd be pretty cool but uh I wouldn't I wouldn't make that deal for a guy whose health I question um and the, the other thing is I think for a deal that gets it done, my reference point for the Rangers' perspective would be a first, a an A minus prospect in Braden Schneider, and perhaps a second a second rounder.
0: Schneider, second
1: rounder, and a first. Oh yeah. So first Schneider and a second rounder. So you're you're saying a first round pick, a middle first round pick, and then a second which I I think that's going to be the deal that gets it done. I'm not saying for that particular player, for that particular team, but I think you're going ABC kind of thing, but nothing worse than,
0: than that. Mm -hmm. So aside from the speculation, so do you, do you think this has to happen for October or would you not be surprised if the season starts a month from now and, and he's still a member of, of the Sabres? The cynical side of me says that this isn't
1: going to happen for a while. I don't know. I hate that. I personally hate that, but I think that's the way it's going to be. I think the Eichel camp is pushing for this to happen as soon as possible, but the Adams camp is trying to get as much as they can, rightfully so. And uh, I just don't see us waking up in a, in a morning and saying, oh, wow, Eichel's been traded. Like I, I don't see it happening. I'm sorry. It's too big a deal. And I think it's going to go right down to the middle middle of the season. And if not, things will stall and it will be next season. But it has to be before a certain time or else he gets more rights and Adams loses um, some sort of trade. Because he gets his uh, no movement clause kicks in. So it's got to be between now and I guess the trade deadline would be the deadline to get this done. So... To me, I see like a November, December kind of thing happening, okay. which sucks, but there you go.
0: Okay. And yeah, and of course, we'll be updating as that goes along and, and you, the audience will be there with us because this story is only going to develop. Um, but from here on in, it's just speculation. Uh, to wrap up here, Kyle, um, you want to talk about the Olympics yeah. or or do you want to talk about uh, Pierre Maguire?
1: Uh, Well, you you update on Pierre Maguire real
0: quick. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not really much to update, you guys. I mean, shortly thereafter, Tampa winning the Cup, his contract with NBC finished up. The TV rights, of course, with them are done. Now uh, ESPN and Turner Sports at TNT have those rights. And he basically just saw it as the perfect opportunity to jump ship and to join a team in a managerial role. And that's exactly what he's done. I don't know what the title's called. It's something like senior player development, something like that, to, to do with the Ottawa Senators. Um, the way he described it in a lot of interviews, his his kids, his, his, his daughter and his son have now moved on to do bigger, better things in college. Him and his wife, Melanie, are finally, without the kids, they can finally move somewhere and start a new life. And they've they're packing their bags from Connecticut to Ottawa. Um, he's going to be a big part in Belleville and their development there, so he's going to be doing a lot of trips to Belleville. Uh, he'll be at every Ottawa game. You'll see him in the press box, hopefully. Um, you know, with his arms crossed and stomping around and throwing pop cans when they lose overtime games to the Montreal, or to sorry, to the to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and that's his new life. And frankly, I've told this to Kyle. This isn't used to him, but. I'm basically in a, in a state of depression because my soundboard for the past seven years, ever since I started university seven years ago, every morning I'd wake up and listen to this guy's hits at 8.30 in the morning. And that's how I'd start my day every day. And, and it just brought a sense of optimism to my life and a sense of news. Here's my NHL news, my quick 20-minute hit for the morning. And now I don't have that anymore. And it's very depressing Uh, to say that and it's very depressing to to get into that and i never thought it would hurt this much when i heard the news of him going to ottawa i was proud for him i i was proud hey finally he gets a chance you know everyone wrote off the peanut man you know no one took him seriously and now he's finally got a gig eugene melnick of all people the fucking chaotic maniac owner in the nhl hires this guy who else would and 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 you're not surprised and i was happy for him and as the weeks waned on and the weeks and the weeks and the weeks went on without having these radio hits, the sense of depression set in where I was like, I have no one else to listen to now because there's no one else, no one else in the media world, everyone will tell you otherwise, no one else in the media world lives up to this guy. And there's no Craig Button, Ray Ferraro, nobody is this guy. So yeah, it's been hard to get used to to not having, in my, having him in my life every day. And, and I hope to God that. This team just sucks. He gets fired and he finds his way back in media very soon because this is something I thought I wanted and now it's just totally been not what I expected and I just want everything to go back to the old days and that's kind of where I sit with with this career change for Pierre Maguire. This is
1: absolutely a, a changing in the garden in this show in particular. This strikes a chord for this show. Like when have we not incorporated a Pierre Maguire line or update or song lyric in this show? It hurts bad, but uh, I guess are you you're more of a Senators fan now than you were before in a way. Nick just wants nothing but death for the Senators. Yeah, just
0: get away, go back to media.
1: He wants Pierre in the media, and it. Yeah, I mean personally, I i don't care so much for his uh his media antics i, I liked it better when he was well you know what no I, I i will miss the broadcast gaffes but uh i now want to see this chapter of okay he's part of the senators development team now i want to see what he does with the senators team in the next three years if they're just dog shit it's another thing we can point to and laugh at you know that's just my angle of it i oh. think it's novelty. That's that's what you want from the guy. We're not gonna get as much of it like from an upfront, obvious perspective, but there's still gonna be that novelty there when he blows. Like, for example, Pierre will be talked about in the next taxicab video. Oh, that Pierre Maguire is such a dick. And it'll be Brady Kachuk this time talking about him. It'll be hilarious. And it'll be the next big thing. So I, my prediction is he'll make it into the news somehow. He can't help it. It's just in his nature, and it'll be in a way we don't expect. Yeah,
0: or maybe, you know, I don't know what the situation is going to be like. We just heard Pierre Dorian got that extension, right? So it, do, it doesn't bode well for Maguire fans who want him. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the whole rumor was he's going to be his replacement. But when Dorian got the extension, it's like, well, no, fuck that. So he could be in and out at this point. That extension said a lot. Yeah. And I don't know what his role is. Are we going to see him in a press box every game? That would be kind of cool. I would love you know, yeah. if, if the coach tests positive for COVID one night, is Pierre going to be delegated to the behind the bench? I would love that. Very um, so we'll see. Um, so rare, though. Oh, it is very rare, but so there's a chance. Yeah. So we'll see. I like I said, I don't like how things have gone, but hopefully it's for the short term. And to your point, hopefully it's just a little one-year experiment, two-year experiment that can just add to his legacy, you know? So, I agree. I agree. and then lastly, Olympics, you wanted to touch on this. I don't want to talk about this too much because uh, this is going to unfold for the next five, six months. Yeah.
1: We're gonna get
0: way more yeah. I mean, all I'll mention is it was announced the coaching staff. So you got you got John Cooper. The head coach, uh, Pete DeBoer, will be an assistant. Okay. Barry Trotz will be an assistant. Butch Cassidy will be an what a what a what a roster of coaches wow. that is. Wow. Oh. So uh, I don't know how they handpicked those that group, but what a group it is. Yeah. And that and that's all we know right now. We know the GM, we know the coaches, and the rest will play out these next few months. So what exactly did you want to vent about here? To close out our show uh, for the Olympics. Well,
1: a lot of pundits are making their projected rosters here, and uh, I've got a lot of problems. And and don't get me wrong, all of them look so fun and fantastic. That's what I'll say first. There's nothing I'm more excited about, be it the regular season, the playoffs, any sort of storyline, than I am about this coming Olympics, because, kid you not. You heard it here first. This is going to be the most entertaining international tournament we've seen in the last decade. Oh yeah. When's the last time? It's been billed from 2015. We're going to get Connor McDavid, we're going to get Nathan McKinnon, we're going to get Sidney Crosby, all on one team. It's going to be absolute mayhem. It's going to be fantastic. So what I want to start with is by asking you, first of all, what would your first line be constructed like it's the most important question it's what the fans are dying
0: to know well, i thought we did our picks like a few months like eight months ago No, no, no. i had my picks i mean i i just can't remember
1: so now off the top
0: i think i had mcdavid and mckinnon on the same line
1: okay and we need a third and
0: then i had a winger uh, I had the two of them, and I had like a like a like a specialist winger, but I can't remember who they played with. I mean, I think I had like a really speedy guy to complement their speed, but I can't remember. Barzell, maybe? Yeah, maybe it was Barzell. Yeah, that was my first line. I didn't have Barzell as one of my four centers, but I had him on the wing with those two. Um, that would be insane But I don't know You caught me off guard I'll have to go back To the drawing board And look, re-look at things But I haven't wavered Since a few months ago I think that would be A pretty sick line I don't think it'll happen Realistically You know It sounds too much Fantasy-like That line
1: Everyone has Everyone <laughs> has McDavid and McKinnon On the first
0: line Yeah Yeah But so it, That part is very much Doable, eh? It's not fantasy land
1: Yeah And then insert third guy
0: hmm Doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like other candidates. And and it's no secret. They have so many centermen, so much center depth that a lot of these centermen are being pushed to the wing, right? A
1: lot of guys are putting Hubert over.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's a good pick. Yeah. A left wing. Yeah, that's a very good pick. I like that yeah. pick a lot. Um yeah, that's that's a good one. Um
1: Pure Speed. McKinnon McDavid Bartel.
0: McKinnon, McDavid, Barzell, or yeah, or Huberto is a very good pick as well. I, I I can't argue with any of that. So no, I, I, I like that a lot.
1: A couple of perspectives here. First of all, I think the top line should very well be Crosby, Marchand, and McKinnon, the Nova Scotia line. I, I was very vocal about this earlier. They trained together all summer. They're going to they're gonna have that telepathy, and they're going to be unbelievable. Second line, second line, yes, McDavid is on. This is still Crosby's team, by the way. I know there's been some debate about that, but this is still Crosby's team. Talk to me when McDavid wins a couple playoff rounds. <clears throat> second line will be McDavid, Barzell, and Huberdo. And you'll have...
0: McDavid, Barzell, Huberdeau. Yeah. And what's the other line?
1: Again? Um, Crosby, McKinnon, and Marchand. Right, the Nova Scotia. The Nova Scotia, precisely. I like that more. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, what I wanted to get into you with was I have uh, Chris Johnson, which, which his Team Canada projection seems to be the leading authority on the matter for whatever reason. But uh, he's got Mitch Marner on the top line color me fucking pink my friend guy that hasn't won shit. that guy hasn't won shit you have and and further to that you've got marner on the right side mckinnon on the left everybody knows that when mckinnon switches to the wing he's on the right side which is just as if you'd have mitch marner taking over like that's fucking dumb as hell and then this guy has well, he's got Barzell as, as an extra, which I guess you can consider. But the worst thing that I've seen, and I love the player, he's got his defenseman laid out in a decent way, but he's got Bowen Byram as an extra defenseman on this team. The
0: guy can't even the <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs.
1: What is that? What is that? He actually thought, he sat down with his fucking, all his data, all his brain power, and he thought, I'm going to pick Bowen Byram, and I'm going to leave all these all-star defensemen on the table. Bowen Byram. Bowen Byram.
0: You caught me off guard with this.
1: This guy is a leading authority on this matter.
0: That's
1: shocking. Darnell Nurse did not make his squad but Bowen Byram is the extra. The fuck is that? What is that? That's like saying Lafrenière will be the extra forward. I'd more I'd more likely to believe that than Bowen Byram. I'm sorry, I love Byram, but that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, but
1: the, the guy just made his
0: debut a
1: year ago. The guy barely made his debut and he got injured. Yeah, that's uh that's shocking. I don't so, buy that. so yeah, Crazy. So the other uh, Olympic news that I have to bring up, and we chatted a little bit about this, but you go you go around you look at all the, the hockey superpowers and you're all impressed and, and ooh, that's that's going to be amazing. It's going to be hard to beat. But then you look at Russia and you realize 2004, 2000, 2004 was a very important draft for the NHL because they took a guy in Evgeny Malkin in, in the draft. Evgeny Malkin will be the number one center for Russia. Can you can you guess who the hockey writers has as the projected number two center for Team Russia at the Olympics? Number two behind Evgeny Malkin.
0: <sighs> Russian center. Is he in the NHL or is he a KHL? He's, a, he's an NHL. NHLR. Do not look it up. No, 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 no. Just I, I just gotta pull up rosters here. Um Interesting.
1: You probably won't get it.
0: Very How isn't wait, wait who's the first who's the first line center?
1: Malkin.
0: Isn't Barkov a center? he's finished oh okay mm-hmm. um hmm uh uh interesting interesting yeah i'm looking at no i'm looking at just rosters like i'm just looking at like teams
1: you will not find a russian center at the top
0: of a that's shock kuznetsov
1: you could make that argument, though this guy doesn't have it on his team.
0: East or West division? Is he in the East or does he play in the West? Nick, I
1: don't even know who this guy plays
0: for. Really? Okay, well tell me then.
1: I think he plays in the East. This guy is Vlad Nemesnikov. Oh, yeah. Okay. As the second line center.
0: That's horseshit. The it's horseshit. He's fourth line center at best. Correct. This guy could barely crack an NHL lineup. He was on Tampa and they got rid of him and I haven't followed him since.
1: Yep. And Third Ivan Barbashev Fourth yeah. Mikhail Gregorenko Even if you put Even if you put Kuznetsov in there It's horseshit It's crap But Nick let, it, it's funny
0: have I know And that's it Re,
1: let, let me run you and through the right wingers goalie win Goalies and right wingers Kucherov, Svechnikov Kaprizov, Kovalchuk Left wingers, Ovechkin, Panarin, Tarasenko. It's so different. It's so different. Like you have star stud power on the wings. Goalies, yes. Centers, dog shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. Russian development, you can see, favors a certain style. Completely contrasting Canadian development, which favors centermen. It's completely yeah.
0: contrasted. I'm almost unsure which team I want to pummel to the ground even more, the Russians or the Americans. Because, like, that Russian team sounds so, like, hot doggy and just, like, horse shitty that, like, I just want to muck them. But at the same time, like, if Austin Matthews plays for the Americans, I just want to muck them too. Yeah. You know? Who do you want to beat more? (laughs) Well, yeah, that... There's
1: such dislikeable adversaries. There's such dislike. See now, the the strength of the Americans is undoubtedly on defense, like the defense of a Jacob Slavin, Charlie McAvoy, Seth Jones, Adam Fox, Ryan McDonough, Quinn Hughes, Zach Werenski, John. Like their defense is the best in the league. In yeah. is best in the tournament. There's there's almost, almost unarguable. However, Jack Eichel's health will be a huge key contributor to this. Because after Matthews, you have Larkin, who's good. JT Miller, who's good. They have Jack Hughes here as, a, as, a, as an extra, who's... We'll see. But... Uh, and then you're running into the same problem. So both
0: Hughes
1: brothers? Yeah. 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 But you have to make sure... You have to see if Jack Hughes can live up to the billing first. But if Eichel is not healthy enough or is, or is not himself then all of a sudden USA's roster catapults into a mm-hmm. just a black hole yeah. because their center depth doesn't stack up cuz all these that's the thing all these wingers on team USA all the project they're all natural wingers. Canada moves centers to the wing and USA has a lack of centers and and, and an abundance of wingers just like Russia not to the same
0: extent, but it's very interesting to see, and the goalies are good too, of course. Yeah, no, oh, that's great. You got my blood flowing. That's a v- it's a very exciting topic, and like I said, we could like it's only gonna we're only gonna elaborate more the next six months. I mean, it's the biggest thing to happen, it, like, like it's huge. It's a huge event that we've been clamoring for for so long, eight years in the making. It's going to be a huge deal, you know. And, uh, and it's only going to evolve from here on out. So we won't belabor the point now, but certainly there'll be a lot to get into as the weeks go on. Uh, final thing I want to touch on. I mentioned there'd be some gaming news I want to get into. They released the trailer for NHL 22. This is a big deal. This game, is, this is the first NHL coming out on next-gen consoles. You might remember the first one last year, 21, didn't come out on next-gen. It was only on the old gens. So it's coming out on next-gen. They're upgrading the engine that the game runs on. So they're going from something called the Ignite Engine to the Frostbite Engine, which is like what games like Battlefield, other EA games like Battlefield, run on. Uh, so it's a whole new engine, which means the graphics are going to be dramatically different. This is like as oh, new a Chell as we've ever seen, and and so you, you, the next gen aspect, the new engine aspect, it it has. I've never been excited about an NHL game so much than this one coming out. The last Chell game I played was the Schneur Cup game seven years ago, and it, like it was the first one on PS4, but it wasn't that dramatic. This looks dramatic. Watch the gameplay trailer. It's 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 it looks impressive. And I and I for the first time I'm actually really excited about an NHL game. So want to just give that a little shout out. October 22nd on PS5 and PS4 and those schlubby Xbox consoles as well. Oh. Well, yeah, as the, as
1: the proud new owner of an NHL 21, I'm not sure I'm going to invest for quite a while. Usually I like to go in 5-year increments. So you'll have to let me know how this one goes and uh and we'll see. But I've actually heard on the Twitter sphere people being disappointed with how things have looked. Really? Yes. Yes. A lot of people say it looks like shit, like a like a cheap rebrand. So the jury's still out. I would wait. I'd wait for the reviews, and I'll, I'll wait for your review yeah. in particular. Yeah, because
0: no. you are the Schlub Squad champion. Yeah, I'll, I'll be picking it up, and and like I said, I haven't picked up one of these on day one since seven years ago. So, yeah, I I haven't had a motivation to do so in a while. I, I see this is just this franchise just doing the same shit every year. I've been very pessimistic and skeptical. But seeing this trailer and, and any time a game changes its engine, that's a big deal. I don't care if it's a sports game, a shooter. It doesn't matter. You change your engine, that's like changing the whole landscape of the game. And I get to play it on my PS5, so like it's only the better. I I think I'm optimistic here. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give that a shout out. Hopefully the fans out there as ex, are as excited as I am, and look out for my review. In one month's time. Is that it, Kyle, for tonight? Uh,
1: Oh, one more thing. Just want to give a quick shout out to the Women's World Hockey Championships. uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain. Is she the greatest female hockey player of all time? Perhaps. She's got like three gold medal winning game winners three gold medal game winners to her name yeah. which is more clutch than anything i can say about any current uh, hockey player yeah. so uh when i saw that goal go in i was like i got pretty emotional i was like wow that's clutch because i remember her all the way back in you know 2014 doing that doing that stuff so um uh, really cool to see that um I know they've had a bit of a drought, and then we'll see
0: them back in twenty twenty two. So, I didn't watch any of those games, Neither did I. but uh, but yeah, I, I did catch that game winner, and it was pretty impressive. What a snipe that was! Yeah. Just coming in and just ripping it in the top corner. Um, mm-hmm. she's always been one of the best. I mean, like, yeah. come on, like I I know Haley Wickenheiser has always been kind of the idol, yeah. You know, yeah. the name brand, she's the name on. brand, but but lately. Poulin has really, has really uh, eclipsed her. Done more. Yeah, more clutch, more clutch stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's incredible. Great, great hockey player. Um, yeah, no, thanks for mentioning that. I, it's kind of been lost in these last couple of weeks with all the offseason stuff, but that was an impressive win. They beat the Americans twice, so... Good on them, and we all know how much of a big rivalry that is when the when the U.S. and Canadian women lock horns. So, yeah, good on them. Um, and, yeah, with that said, we'll leave it on that note. I mean, lots, there was lots to catch up on this episode. It was basically three months of news. We crunched into just over two hours here. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed it. We sure did to get back in the saddle here. And, uh, and, 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 and get it, shake off the rust and get back into things. And, uh, and yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed it too. So from here on out, we'll be starting a new season. I mean, we, we've got a lot coming up. Stay tuned. we got a season preview show. Where, as, as we do annually, we'll be previewing every division, ranking all the teams like so, where we see them going into the season here on out. And then, of course, our uh, our uh, annual fantasy hockey special, which we're really looking forward to with, Josh. with Joshua Schechter. will be making his return to the show, his much anticipated return to give all our uh, rankings, sleepers, busts, uh, as we always do for this upcoming fantasy hockey season. So. Lots to get into here. Lots coming up in the next month. I know the season's still a month away, but you'll, you'll get plenty of coverage if you stick to us here. So we hope you guys enjoyed. Lots more to come. And uh, it was a pleasure to serve you yet again. So uh, unless Kyle's got some final words here, no, he's good. Uh, we will part ways with you here. Thank you for tuning in. And as always... Good night.